Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From his undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. I want to say that I don't think I would shake hands with him. I don't know. I would just, nope, couldn't do it. I'm not that big a person. I would hope that I would be, but I don't, uh, I can't fake the funk, as they say. I'm not saying the Obamas did that, but there, there they go, right there. Here, let me show you what I would have done. You don't have to. Well, let me show you, I want to show you something. You don't let me show you what to. I would have done. Okay, come here. Come here, go Dom. Ahead. Come here, Dom. Try oh, to shake Don. You're petty and small. Not petty and small. That's real, brother. That's real. And, and, and real it petty shows and small. you this is not, nope, it's not. This mm-hmm. Right. I don't have to shake your hand. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. But again, you keep saying me, me, I, I. There are former presidents. I'm talking they about a lot of something. folks. I know, know a lot of people are going to agree with me. This is about humanity. It's not about an office. This is about human decency. Sometimes you have to teach Just because they agree with you doesn't okay, mean you're right. Hey, and welcome back to Flyover Politics Podcast. It is the 11th of December year of our Lord 2018, and that is our media nutshell. Put it in a shell made out of nuts. That's who they are. Petty and small. Which, you know, you expect that because it's a Republican president and it's Trump and yada yada. But that's not my point. They're petty and small because that's how they act with you. I mean, do you think Don Lemon would shake hands with a Southern person? He's a gay black activist who hates straight people and white people. But the colors come out, my friends. Every time we have one of these events, the colors come out. And here's another one. This is from Chicago. Or, excuse me, Illinois. I don't know where the actual... Yes, well, fuck it. Chicago Sun-Times reported this. This is an actually dim representative. And this is what she said in the state house. And I want you to remember, this is where Obama came from. This is where everybody's in charge of the Democratic Party right now came from. Because he's still in charge. This is Democratic Chicago politics. And as it is written, horrifying remark. To the representative from Lombard, I would like to make him a broth of Legionella and pump it into the water system of his loved one so that they can be infected, they can be mistreated, they can sit and suffer by getting aspirin instead of being properly treated and ultimately die. And we are talking about our nation's heroes. We are talking about World War II veterans that survived combat, survived war, survived unthinkable situations that they were put in to sit back, put their faith and trust in the state of Illinois, and have that completely, unabashedly disregarded. Oh, Tony, she was talking about taking care of the people. No, she wasn't. This was a vote on to cap the state's pay in civil litigation cases from 100000 to $2 million. They were going to veto a bill on that because they believed case by case because it isn't their money, it's the people's money. So she wished ill on him and his family. Yeah, that's just... Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. That's just beautiful. 
Other stuff up front before we fire for effect. Woman gives birth one day after crossing the border. Media thinks that's just fine. Um, sole purpose was to come across and have a baby. Then we find out Barack Obama flagrantly violated the Constitution more than once during his presidency. The ways in which he did so are far too numerous to list, from unconstitutional recess appointments made when the Senate was not in recess, to seizing legislative authority and unilaterally granting legal status to legal aliens. Obama simply ignored the constitutional constraints on his office whenever he felt like it. Now we learn of yet another way in which he brazenly violated the Constitution and broke federal law. I didn't write this, somebody else did, but I agree with it. As reported by the Washington Examiner, Obama gave $310 million to legal groups for the purpose of defending illegal aliens and deportation cases it was federal money he can't do that by the constitution the constitution cannot give does not allow the president of the united states to give money to anybody but that's not the worst part obama appointed federal judge freed ms-13 illegal alien perverso who then went out and killed a 17-year-old girl. Consider the case of Perverso, one Henry Salvador Gutierrez, an illegal M13 gangbanger from El Salvador. Perverso is now one of six gangbangers charged with savage murder last summer in Lynn of 17, of Lynn, or in Lynn, of a 17-year-old. He was recorded breaking in jail how he and his fellow illegal immigrants, welfare recipients, killed the kid, dicing him as if he were a cow. A federal immigration judge has cut him loose five weeks before the murder. In October 2015, Perverso was arrested for carrying a knife at a local high school. Salvador indicated that this was the first time he had ever carried a knife, never threatened to use a knife, and he never harmed anyone. Remember, he's now charged with murdering a 15-year-old with a knife. June 2016, Perverso was arrested again for carrying a large knife in Chelsea. Salvador claims he was carrying it home to work to cut things around the house. Perverso was arrested in 2016 in Boston, this time for carrying a machete. Salvador claimed he was carrying the machete for a friend who lied to him and told him that the friend needed a machete to chop wood at his house. How insane do you have to be to do this? But that wasn't the first time. Sterler was billed as the first Dominican judge, and he certainly appears to be a rather soft touch, though the parents of Perverso's victim might disagree. A Somali man arrested by immigrant agents in Portland Courthouse in April was granted bail by a federal judge Thursday. Aldi Ali, who became a legal permanent resident soon after coming to Maine as a refugee in 96, will be allowed to go home to his adopted family even as the court proceedings continue to determine whether he should be deported for a four-year-old drug possession conviction. Another case, a Block Island resident who was arrested and detained for overstaying his student visa is being allowed to return to the island. Immigration Judge Mario Sertla cited the community's overwhelming support moments before ordering that Meritin Gergergi, 29, be released on $2,500 bail during the Tuesday bail hearing. Sertla said Gergi does not pose a danger to the public. Longtime Pioneer Valley residents and a detained Iraqi immigrant Nibird Abdallah will be released from ICE custody, ending a seven-month stay in Suffolk County House of Corrections. His attorney, Buzz Elderbridge, said Wednesday, Boston immigration judge Mario Sterla ordered Abdallah released on his personal recognizance following a bond hearing over the objection of immigration authorities. Eisenberg said Abdallah is still subject to an order of removal and will be seeking legal remedies to fix his immigration status. Back to Chicago. Chicago Teachers Union suspends strike after agreement that includes sanctuary schools for immigrants. They didn't want more money. They wanted sanctuary school for illegal immigrants. 
Something else the media failed to report. Massive ice bust of illegal aliens nabs child abusers, MS-13 members, internationally wanted criminals. Five-day operation conducted by U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement in New Jersey has taken in custody 105 foreign nationals who were in the U.S. illegally. Approximately 80% of those arrested had prior criminal convictions or pending criminal charges, according to ICE. ICE did not make clear how the other 20% were included in the operation. None of the suspects are named, but descriptions of some of them and their crimes are included. Individuals arrested came from 24 countries. Canada, Egypt, Guatemala, Korea, Mexico, Poland, Russia. They were found across the state of New Jersey and two were arrested in New York. Their ages range from 18 to 65. Four of the individuals arrested had Interpol warrants out for the rest for crimes they committed in their home country. 59-year-old Korean nationals wanted for the crime of indecent acts by compulsion causing bodily injury, according to ICE statement. 44-year-old Korean nationals had wanted for distri- distributing psychotropic drugs. A 34-year-old Ecuadorian national was wanted for fraud. A 54-year-old Russian national was wanted for large-scale fraud. Several others were crimes against children. A 35-year-old Ecuadorian national convicted of forcibly touching a child. A 52-year-old Mexican national had been convicted for promoting prostitution with a child. 34-year-old Honduran national convicted of endangering the welfare of a child. A 43-year-old Canadian national convicted of illegal drugs on school grounds. Several members of violent gangs were arrested during the operation as well, including at least one member of MS-13, at least one member of the 18th Street Gang, a rival to MS-13, and the 13th Street Gang. This week, before the bust, the New Jersey Attorney General, Gurib S. Grewal, issued a directive to all state enforcement agencies limiting their assistance with ICE. Then the Nets play an illegal alien's status after he murders... An American citizen. New developments in the case we've been following of the American tourist who vanished in Costa Rica. Authorities have arrested a security guard at the Airbnb complex where Carlos Stefaniak was staying. A body was discovered at the property yesterday, but police have not confirmed it is Stefaniak. An update to a story we've been following all week. A security guard is under arrest in Costa Rica in connection to the disappearance of a tourist from Florida. Investigators say that a body found in the Central American nation is likely that of Carla Stefaniak. She vanished last week during her 36th birthday trip. The suspect in this case is Bismarck Martinez. He works at the Airbnb. He is a security guard there. He was arrested after police said that his story about Stefaniak's disappearance contradicted the security footage. Stefaniak's sister-in-law says one of the last messages mentioned that she was asking security to bring her a bottle of water. This is disturbing on so many levels because when you travel, one of the first things you like to think is that you can trust the security people who are working there to protect you. The new discovery in the case of that American woman killed in Costa Rica. The security guard who lived next to her Airbnb now under arrest. What we're learning about his past. We're going to turn now to the disappearance of that American woman killed in Costa Rica while vacationing. Her family confirming overnight her body was found near her Airbnb and a suspect is now under arrest. Costa Rican police arresting 32-year-old Bismarck Martinez, a security guard who lives next to the Airbnb where Stefaniak was staying. He's been in Costa Rica for six months, originally from Nicaragua. 
second day, the hot springs. The authorities say that security guard became a suspect when his story didn't match up to what they found on security cameras, but obviously still a lot of questions for this family, and they are so desperate for answers. A security guard who lived in the apartment next door is under arrest. Now, he's an immigrant from Nicaragua who has reportedly been living in Costa Rica illegally. He became a suspect after giving inconsistent information to police. Carla was in Costa Rica to celebrate her birthday. The left loves to say you're on the wrong side of history. But the more I read these cases of federal judges, district attorneys, state attorneys, not assisting with getting real criminals off the, the street, I, I just don't know how the American people can stomach this any longer. You're on the wrong side of history. Then there is this. Antifa wants to protest fascists. They targeted the wrong group and threatened to kill me. When overzealous anti-fascist ideologues can't find actual fascists, they'll make them up. And this is that reporter we talked about. NGO is his name. Not bingo, but Nago. And once again, he goes to another Antifa rally. They're taking on the three percenters, which aren't the three percent racist. They're a different group and beating people up in Seattle and Portland. And he got his ass kicked again with nice statements like, you know you're Asian, right? Why are you a traitor to your race? Yeah, that's our ugly right up front. Let's fire for effect. find out, we've invited Kevin Parker on the show tonight. He's the New York State Senator from Brooklyn. You just saw on that tape. Senator Parker, welcome. Thanks for coming on tonight. Thanks for having me on, Tucker. Um, so I should just say at the outset what I'm sure our viewers already know, which is it's already against federal law to sell firearms to the mentally ill, thank heaven. And I think all of us support that restriction. So it's already against the law. But what other constitutional rights that we as Americans possess should be contingent on how we behave on social media? Well, let's be clear. I take an oath that supports the amendments and, and their whole constitution, both the U.S. Right. and the, the state government constitution. And so this is really not about impinging on constitutional rights. This is really about safety. This is really about how do we, in fact, make the state of New York as safe as possible. Now, right. we've already been um, very safe. We're one of the, the top three safest states in the entire country, um, particularly when you look at, you know, uh, you know, mass shootings, thank God. But we can always be safer and we can always make sure that what happened in Pittsburgh, what we saw in Parkland, um, what we saw in Orlando doesn't happen here. And so this this law simply says, let's look at, um, you know, what people are putting out on social media as a, you know, the, you know part of a, a set of criteria that we're using to determine who gets okay. handguns. Because well, but, then, we, but, but, but hold on. But, but, and by the way, I, I agree with your desire to make your state and, and every state as safe as, as we possibly can. But why restrict it to gun owners? I mean, you are an elected official. You're a state senator. 
You wield a lot of power. You control people's lives. Why shouldn't I have the password to your social media accounts so we can assess whether you should be wielding the power that you do? Well, somebody should put that, Lauren, and maybe we can we can do that. My first of all, well, no, my no, but, social, no, but it's a sincere question. Media, would you send me? Would you send me your t- password, Tucker? Tucker, my social media is open right now. You can go on it and look at it. Anybody can look at it. It's public information, so well, people I don't know. can look why, at, why, at my why, social why you media. Send, but hold on, why don't you send me your passwords and I'll find out how open it really well, again, is? You're, again, you're requiring gun owners to give you their passwords. Why shouldn't they turn around and ask you for the same? That's a what, sincere question. Look, look, what we should be talking about is how do we make the state of New York safe. And I'm simply saying right now we're not as safe as we can be because people are saying things on social media and we're not right. using that and looking at that as we, in fact, give out a weapon that, can, that, that is used to kill people. Okay, Period. but I, 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 I get what you're saying. I guess I'm just wondering why we're restricting it. I mean, as long as and you've said that privacy is not a concern. And if you have concerns about privacy, you know, don't don't carry a gun. Don't buy a gun. Okay. But. You're saying that that's the only category to which this applies. Why don't we apply it to voting? Again. Before you vote and choose who runs the state, who controls your life, why shouldn't you have your social media checked? I'm not sure because, I understand. Because voting doesn't necessarily lead to people killing each other. This is really about well, access to guns. No, this is about Ooh. access to guns. And we know that there's a direct correlation with the number of guns that are available in, in, in states and the, the the prevalence of mass shootings. We know that internationally as well. I'm sorry. Just we to interrupt you, that, that's actually, well. that's, that's not true. I think Wyoming has the highest per capita gun ownership in the country. I don't think yeah, there are yes, any with mass the five people, With the five right, people okay. who live in Wyoming and the guns no, that they okay, have. Okay, but when you, look saying, at, when you look there at... There is not a correlation between those two. There's absolutely. Tucker, there absolutely is. And we look at places like Japan. When we look at places like Japan and we look at places like Australia, they have much lower gun violence, especially mass shootings. The question here is... Exactly because they limit the number of guns that people have. You're not calling for limiting the number of guns in this bill. You're calling for people to turn over their social media passwords so you can decide whether they've said things that are naughty. And if they have, they don't get to own a gun. And so my question is, what other constitutional rights are dependent on your approval? Is the right to abortion? Should we, before allowing women to have abortions, check their social media accounts? I, this is a sincere question. And if, if not, why not? Tucker, I'm really focusing on the issue of gun violence. There's too much gun violence in our communities, okay, too much gun violence in, sorry, in, across I, the country. Look, I agree. Really I'm against gun violence. That we, okay, that but, we get it down. But, but hold on. Who's going to make this? I mean, you're obviously not going to engage in the New York State Police. The New York State Police. But they'll just decide? Typically, before we determine someone is mentally ill, we adjudicate that person mentally ill. That's this the term is, this we is, use. This is not about mental illness. This is in addition what to is the it other... About? The, what addition, is it about? In addition to the other um, criteria that the New York State Police will use... And they already use uh, to determine who should be eligible to get a gun permit. In addition mm. to that, what I'm saying is we should also have the state police review the social media accounts of the people okay. who are making the requests. And take the, the passwords, right. And so, on, but what, what would cause this? So the state police, independent of a judge, just get to decide whether you can have a gun or not based on whether or not they like what you said on Facebook. Well, the state, the state, the state legislature has the ability with, with the signature of the, of the governor to, in fact, make law. And so if we make it the law, we then can, in fact, subscribe so then you turn the over power to the, to, the state, to the state police to make a so determination. It's just, it's just which they do all the time, so by you, the way. Which they, well, of course they do. Yeah, the police get to unilateral 
unilaterally decide whether we can exercise our constitutional rights, you're comfortable giving the no, police that No, they're not power. unilaterally deciding. The, would... state, the state legislature is no. actually deciding The state legislature it. is the handing over the state... to them the power no, that's to not, decide. that's in fact not done. No, no. Exactly. So in every case, oh, no, exactly. But, we, but, we right. do that, but they already have that power right now. Right. Okay. At this very so, moment, the state police decide who gets a gun who doesn't get a gun. Let me ask a human question. Do you think it's a little intrusive? that the government would be forcing citizens to turn over their social media passwords to the police before doing something the Constitution guarantees them the right to. That doesn't bother you in any way. That doesn't seem a little bit, say, totalitarian or something Tucker, that maybe China would, would do. Tucker, we make legislation through a process. All the things that you have objected to, there are lots of people who object to it. There's conversations that are going on. Maybe yeah, but all the, but, no, uh, I'm I got sorry, it, I can't maybe, let you third, skirt the third question in I'm not, a row. I'm not, I'm not skirting it. I'm saying, what I'm saying to you is that no, there's an opportunity. I'm, I'm aware for, I know for, how government and, works. And, and, so I, there's, a pro, there's an opportunity for us to work together to, in fact, look at this. Maybe the passwords you've written won't this bill, continue saying this. And yes. these are your proposals. So this is Absolutely. not theoretical. It's something that you came up with. And I'm just asking you, as you sat at your laptop and typed out, you will be required to hand over your passwords to the state police. And if they don't like what you say, you don't get to exercise your rights. Right now. Boy, that sounds you're, a little right, Orwellian to right, me. Right like, now, really? right now, right now you're, you're focusing on a part that's actually quite not the whole bill, right? So the big thing is to review social Other media. Other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how right? is the play? I mean, right, exactly. it's not the whole bill. It, exactly. It's, right, it's not the, it's not exactly. the whole bill. It's not but the whole it, bill, but it's, but it's, it's, it's is, part of it. Right, it's part of it. And you don't see that as fascist in any way. Are there any other and, decisions that, I mean, should the state police have to sign off on your marriage, do you think? Or how many kids you can have? Would that be, I mean, because obviously some people shouldn't be getting married. Right. But what, we're right? Talk, well, what we're, again, concerned about is the safety of the people in the state of New York. And we're concerned that, that people are, are, getting, are getting shot down. I'm not going to get you to think important. critically about this, obviously. No, well, I know what, I, what, I'm doing, what I'm doing is, is talking about the values. And, it's, and I get that some people believe that having me. a gun is more important than protecting the lives of strangers. No, but it's my job as a state to legislator to, in fact, online, to do both. It, uh, last question. Yes. Do you think that people have a right to say outrageous things, maybe even things you disagree with in public. Do you think they, that that they certainly, behavior is... They are certainly can say whatever they want to say. But oh, we also but have the right... We also have, but we that. also have a right to deny them a gun permit if, in fact, we believe that the things that they're saying may lead to them endangering the people of the state of New York. It may and or frankly, may not. I mean, and, and frankly, the Supreme Court has already said that, that some that speech... if you say that, something naughty... For, for, instance, then... for instance, we, we, we limit you know, speech all the time, like Pornography, particularly ch child pornography, right? Well, we well, limit, child pornography we limit, has not been ruled to be uh, speech. And actually, uh, uh, I refer well, you to actually, Brandenburg versus Ohio in 1967, mm -hmm. which is the final word on speech from the Supreme Court, since you're interested. And it allows all speech except speech that calls for imminent violence. All ah, speech. Like, no getting a, like getting a gun speech. and running into a synagogue, right? That, I would call that please. imminent violence, right? So, that's not so we speech, that's to, violence. Uh, well, uh, again, you so then what? we have to limit violence. And I'm saying you limit violence right. by, by limiting the kind of, we have to limit uh -huh. violence. And eliminating privacy. Not, no, come on. All right. C come on. Give me your password. All right. I'm going to send you my text and you text me your Facebook password. I'm going to assess okay. what I think Great. of it. and We can talk about it tomorrow. Great. Senator, thank Let's you do that very next much. Time. Thank you for I having me on. Good to see you. That's the actual New York lawmaker who came up with the law that it's okay and within the Constitution for them to go through your background on social media before you can get a gun. And he's trying to justify it. My big gun news this week along with a 3.9% drop 
in sales, they're saying, and massive stocks loss, and Dick's Sporting Goods doubling down and saying we're not going to carry hunting shit anymore. Buried in the lead. 35 stores will be closed this year. 35! So, that sweet, sweet Twitter virtue signaling got you a lot. This week, other stuff that we haven't reported in a while. Whistleblower found information showing feds ignored Hillary's dealings with Russia had his home raided. And now Grassley's demanding why and who authorized it. But it's part of the Mueller investigation. And they raided it with the FBI. And it makes me think, are they still trying to protect Hillary? Then Comey went before the House. So you understand... Some factoids from the Comey interview. Comey said he didn't remember 71 times, didn't know 166 times. I don't remember, or I don't recall, eight times. Also, not a lot of discussion about Clinton's emails, as Comey suggested in the hallway yesterday. Comey did return for second session on December 17th, but he's not going to say anything. Cheryl Atkinson breaks it down like TA-50. Hillary Clinton prom. Kobe confirmed that controversial FBI lovers Zork and Page served both on the team investigating Clinton's email practice and the Trump Russia. Zork and Page were pulled from the special counsel Robert Pol- Robert Mueller's probe in 2017. This breaks it down. Analysis. This appears to be acknowledgement that the FBI investigation was tainted or is the appearance of being tainted by bias. Attorney General Loretta Lynch. Comey said the tarmac meeting between Lynch and Clinton five days before the FBI interview with Hillary was problematic and potentially inappropriate. Comey acknowledged he didn't take steps to find out the substance of the conversation. They never looked into it. Comey said he also learned a material that it made public would be used to cast doubt on whether Lynch had acted appropriately. He did not say what the material entailed. Context. Comey first revealed the existence of Lynch material in his book. According to report on CNN, the material may refer to discussions between Lynch and Clinton staffer Awanda Arenteria or former DNC committee chairwoman Schultz. Comey said there was an appearance of conflict on the appearance that Lynch was compromised in some fashion. Note, McCabe was battling his own appearance of bias with his wife, Jill McCabe, political candidate, received a large amount of campaign funds from Clinton's. Analysis. Lynch, McCabe, Zorka, Page were key players of the Clinton email probe or ended up with conflict of interest of appearance of the bias. Comey expressed no concern over the question of whether Lynch-Tarmac meeting and refusal to recuse may have amounted to obstruction of justice. Comey said he didn't know who drafted the questions for Hillary Clinton's interview. He said he didn't read them. The FBI didn't record the interview. Comey said he also doesn't remember why Clinton's interview was conducted before a grand jury. Why it wasn't. Comey said... He doesn't know for sure why the witness in the Clinton email investigation weren't subpoenaed and questioned before the grand jury. He says the FBI investigation team deemed it unnecessary. Comey would later tell the DOG Inspector General that prior to Hillary's interview, he didn't think there was any there there. Thus, they half-assed the interview just like we all thought. Yeah. Context. The FBI granted Mills and Samuelson immunity for prosecution allowed them to sit in the Clinton FBI interview. Comey said it was very unusual for the FBI to even do that. You don't ideally like people not to know what other stories are so. They're not able to get their story together, but the FBI allowed them to come in and get the story from Hillary and then do it. Analysis. With Comey stating that Attorney General Lynch was potentially conflicted and that she could should have recused herself, 
It's unclear why her agency, the Justice Department, was allowed to call important shots on the FBI procedures and why Comey and the FBI director wasn't more read in on things. Comey doesn't know what, if anything, the FBI asked Hillary Clinton about her husband's tarmac meeting. Note, such questions are reflected in the FBI interview. Sonomy analysis, Comey said the FBI agents on the Hillary case appeared oddly lacking in curiosity about a tarmac meeting, distanced themselves from Lynch. The FBI apparently didn't interview Hillary, Bill, or Lynch about the tarmac meeting because they really didn't give a flying fuck about it, and we would never know that if a reporter hadn't found it. She breaks all this down. It goes on for pages. And it basically comes down to what we've always known. They didn't give a fuck. They weren't going to do anything for her. And now they require every attorney general to recuse himself from anything they want to investigate. But all the key players on the Hillary Clinton email investigation were sycophants of the Clintons or were suspect in their conduct. They just didn't care. It's exactly what we thought. And none of this has even touched the Wiener tablets or computers, which how the fuck do you go through tens of thousands of emails in like three days and say, oh, there's nothing there. Mm. I know how, because the FBI director already said there's nothing there there. Got it. Works great. NPR is touting, by the way, only biased Republicans find the Mueller, a witch, Mueller investigation a witch hunt. Only biased Republicans. Because they only ask liberals in their polls. The tables are 40% liberal. Yeah. Other interesting things, you know, going on the constant Twitter things. I could sit and spend a whole show on people getting suspended and then not being suspended, being told they are suspended, but for no reason. And then they come back, oh, we made a mistake. And they're all conservative. But somehow, some way, the USS Arizona during Pearl Harbor was blocked for 10 minutes during December 7th. A Twitter follower of it, Twitter also had a suspicious activity warning for anyone clicking on your profile. They, they said it was algorithms. I say it's the same old, same old. It's a conservative thing. People actually care that people were killed on December 7th and the conservative strike, while liberals go, we had it coming, Japan is awesome. Got it. Twitter hasn't banned these outrageous celebrities. This is another article I have. Farrakhan, uh, we have all the big ones. I won't read it, but it's a great article. And this article actually breaks down all the horrible things they've said. From Ron Perlman to fucking Stephen King, to Chelsea Handlers with homophobic attacks, saying they're going to kill his kids, they don't get blocked. But somehow, mysteriously, conservatives with a lot of followers get blocked, and when they come back, they don't have those followers. So, there it is. The big thing this week was the Kevin Hart stuff, and as you probably already know, by now, he did some jokes in his past, and it came back. David Mack. Do you think he's going to make gay jokes when he hosts the Oscars? Or nah? Sums it up. Kevin Hart. Yo, if my son comes home and tries to play with my daughter's dollhouse, I'm going to break it over his head and say in my voice, stop that's gay. That's what they pulled up. Another tweet. I just saw the biggest gay guy ever. 
this nigga look like Hulk Hogan with heels on. I can't lie. I got scared. Adam B. Very. After seeing this Ben Frazel retreat, I did a search for every time Kevin Hart tweeted fag, homo, or gay. It was a lot. And he seems to have basically stopped tweeting those words after 2011, i.e. the year his first stand-up movie became a hit. The Daily Beast. Kevin Hart's offensive homophobic comments have resurfaced. Do they warrant firing him? Somebody tweeted, This stuff has been out of hand for a long time ago. Exactly how long should a person be employed for after saying something people take offense to? The latest tweet you pictured was from about seven years ago after all white folks try to get black man fired. That never came up. I, already, I said it, African Americans. They don't give a fuck about you. The mainstream media, the fucking Dems, they don't really care about you. They got you in the pocket. It's all about the gays. Leftists loved it. Over at Variety, film critic Owen Gieberman said Kevin Hart was the wrong choice to host this year's Oscars because movies are not about empathy. Hart's jokes apparently have none of that. Trouble with Kevin Hart's words, reasons that by large they're terrible jokes, is that they express a spirit of extreme anti-empathy. They're not just cheap gags. They're ho- overly hostile and parochial. They basically demonize the LGBTQ, EIAIO, identity people as the other. LGBT writer Jill Gulowitz tweeted, If you think LGBT people reacted too strongly, Kevin Hart, here's why. It's not that his jokes were unforgivable, but they're the kind of ubiquitous jabs that kept me and so many of my queer people in the closet for years. They're not jokes, they're beliefs. He opened a wound. If somebody's words can open a wound on you, life really isn't for you. LGBT advocate Adam Jet Knox similarly tweeted, The amount of straight people on Twitter telling gay folks to stop being offended over Kevin Hart's old homophobic joke tweets is unbelievable. Maybe he's grown and changed. Who knows? But I don't know. It's not okay to tell us how to feel about discrimination. Glad really didn't celebrate, but they were happy he got the boot. Which brought the Daily Wire to five lessons to learn from the Kevin Hart outrage mobbing. Which isn't as bad as our next mobbing. But it's still down the mobbing to make people shut up and go away. One, success brings the outrage mob to your door. Hart has been a company star and a movie star for years. He's already addressed this controversy years ago, but he made the mistake of becoming even more successful, and that prompted a re-examination of all his old tweets. The more successful you become, the more past controversial shall be dredged up anew, as Bridget Fassay rightly stated. What pisses me off about these mobs is they go after people when they achieve a lifelong dream. They wait and drag up your history with no generosity of spirit or forgiveness or sense that in 10 years someone might have changed. They wait... And they take that dream from you. The reality is, it is a mafia, as I keep saying on the goddamn show. Every person that does these next two stories, because there's another one, are part of the gay mafia. Their whole purpose is to dredge up things that could be interpreted as gay, phobic, transphobic, racist, sexist, find something dirt on you, and they hold it. And little bag, and the moment you're successful, gotcha! Gotcha. Doesn't matter context. That's why Twitter, I keep saying Twitter's the worst thing that ever happened. It's just the worst thing in the world. Because you have people that just go out there and search Twitter for shit. That's why at the end of this show, I am using fagtard. Two groups. Gays and mentally impaired. Go fuck yourself. I'm calling somebody a fagtard. I don't even fucking care. Fuck off. 
If words are so bad, life's not for you, man. Because that's nothing. It's just words. And the reality, before I go on the rest of the five, I'm not going to forget. I'm not going to get sidetracked. Fag didn't mean shit back in the day. It had nothing to do with gay. It was actually a term of endearment. You faggot. We used to say that to each other in football, wrestling, fucking in the military until the gay guy beat the gay guy over the trans guy that wanted to be a girl in that horrible case in the 90s. That's when fag can no longer be used. But prior to that, fag didn't mean homosexual. Fag didn't mean cigarette. Fag meant dude, dick, loser, whatever. It wasn't like the N-word. There was no term of endearment on the N-word until rappers started putting an A on it and remove the E-R and say nigga. That became the euphemism of a good dude, a bra, whatever, taking a horrible word and changing it. But fag, smear the queer was a game and it didn't mean queer person. Nobody thought that way. Nobody referenced it to homosexuals. Whether it's right or wrong, that was the context. And all these lynch mobs for the gay fucking mafia never go into context. If we're going to police words, contexts are important. You just can't wipe every word of the planet off because you think it's wrong. That's not how the world works. Well, it does in our country. But everywhere else, that's not where it works. If I call you a fag... If you're a gay person, I go, you fucking faggot. I'll kill you, you homo fag. That is inappropriate. That is the context of bashing somebody for their sexual orientation. That is wrong. During the time period we're looking at, that's not the context. Jesus Christ, you people are children. Number two, the penitent man shall not pass. Hart may not have made these jokes today. He says he wouldn't have. We all have said things in the past regret. Hell, I have an ongoing and updated list of them. Twitter and Facebook just mean that there's a record of that stuff. But instead of us asking each other whether we still believe those bad things, it's more fun and edifying to tear people down by taking them out of context and assuming the impossible of impossibility of penitence. Three, The outrage mob will never stop. Social media is a mob without a purpose. That means that the shiniest object will draw the most scrutiny, the biggest crowd, and thus the highest chance of mobbing. Think you're not at at the center of the mob, so you're safe? Wait about five minutes. When you're me, Mark Duplass, James Gunn, Kevin Hart, or anyone else in the public eye, there will be an excuse to attack you so long as you do something that violates the norms of oppositional political discourse. Boom! That nails it. Soon enough, everyone will be wished into the cornfield. And that will only get worse as retaliatory strikes come the order of the day, exasperated by feckless and virtue-signaling social media apparatus designed to expunge sin in the words of Apple's Tim Cook. Never mind that social media mob represents a tiny fraction of human beings and doesn't even chart when it comes to the impact on market share. They scare people. That's enough. What does he mean by that? Well, it's okay for Alec Baldwin to call people faggots all day long. He's on our team. But Tim Allen calls somebody a faggot. It's on like Donkey fucking Kong. And the Tim the Tim Cook statement, they believe people should be fired for their jobs for misgendering. He said that this week. 
and they scare people. It's what our world's about right now. You can lose your job over something that the gay mafia thinks. You can lose your job over the Women's March Mafia. You can lose your job over Black Lives Matter March. I mean, don't mind that they say kill the fucking pig. You're not. They, they don't really mean that. See, everybody else on their political spectrum, oh, that's not what they meant. Nobody knows what's in somebody's heart. Nobody knows what they really meant by a statement that was fucking 12 years ago other than liberals. Because once again, there's no other way to say the word, but the way we say the word is being said. That's the world. Number four, you're only punished if you are attacked by the left. Joy Reid has said stuff far worse than Hart, but the revelations of her statements came from a political right, so she still has a job. Hart was attacked by people who stand above him on the intersectional pyramid, and so he lost his Oscar gig. That's so true. Intersectional pyramid. It's like the coolest. It's like Fight Club. We don't speak about it. If only he'd had the foresight to get like Mike Cervanovich to dig up his old tweets rather than glad allies, he'd be riffing jokes about Trump come February without a second thought. What about James Gunn? He only lost his job because Disney is uber fearful of blowback from family audience. So the attacker matters less than the blowback. That's so true. Then five, Hollywood is full of virtue signaling hypocrites. Today, Hollywood pats itself on the back for its foresight and stopping a successful black man from making jokes at a ritzy event based on decade-old non-PC jokes. A columnist of Variety says that Hollywood has preserved its record of empathy. This is hilarious. Hollywood is the least empathetic place in America. Disagree with the prevailing worldview? You're toast. Want to maintain personal virtue at the expense of an A-list named libido? You're toast. Make a joke that radicals don't see? See you later. Get cast as a transgender woman while maintaining your status as a non-transgender woman? Prepare the outrage machine. Hollywood is cruel and nasty. Hart just found out the hard way. Eric Weinstein sums it up. They're going to come up with a host 15 minutes before the fucking show starts. Because it's the only way to do it. And now the news is today. They're not going to have hosts. Because it doesn't matter what they put up there. The outrage mob will kill it. Pat Sajak had the tweet of the day. I was going to put him the tweet of the day. But I put it over here because it's more apropos. Here's a quick fix for the Academy Award show. Expand it to two nights. On the first night, give out awards. Celebrate the history and wonder of movies. On the second night, hold your political rally. And he's so fucking spot on. But the best one is Nick Cannon. And at no time during this did I hear we're ostracizing an African American. This is racist. This is that. It goes back to what I say, black people. You are no longer king of the outrage pyramid. They don't give a fuck about you. Don't give a fuck. Nobody said it. They're ostracizing a black man. It's okay. Because gays are first-rate fucking outrage people now. It's all about the gays. Trans. Just like I said it would be. I remember talking to my wife years ago going, your next thing is trans. Started reading articles about San Francisco making it Medicaid will cover trans surgeries. How the fuck you or I are supposed to pay for somebody else's surgery? I don't understand because I would like a huge cock and I would love to have a head full of fucking hair. But I don't expect any of you motherfuckers to pay for that shit. Nothing. Nothing. And by the way, blue pills is what the left always comes back with. Everybody gets them when you get back from war. It's five fucking pills a month. 
until you say you don't want them. I have a cupboard full of blue pills. Tell my son to take them all the time. It's not like I really need them. And I really have sex a lot because I'm old. But the fact of the matter is, five pills. So nobody's paying for my pecker. I had to pay a deductible on that shit. And now those pills are so cheap, the $20 deductible probably pays for the pill. So that's not an argument. But nobody should have to pay for your change. Butt implants, not my business. Calf implants, not my business. You want to get new boobies? Did you have cancer? Uh, You should get them. But if you didn't have cancer in your boobies, male or female, because I learned that from uh, a million things, men do have breast cancer now. Didn't know that. Well, because I've never met anybody. You should get free boobies. But if you just want to make your boobies pert, why should I have to pay for that shit? But that's the world. So I totally just went on a tangent. Don't even know where I'm at. But the point was, I saw that, and I said, that's the next thing. You watch the left. It's going to be trans, trans, trans. And we're here. So let's go back to Nick Cannon, because I am just sideways talking this morning, because it's really early. Comedian Nick Cannon came to the defense of his friend Kevin Hart Saturday, striking back at the woke comedians who demand Hart step down from his position hosting the Oscars award ceremony by revealing their individual histories of making homophobic and problematic comments on Twitter. Hart stepped down from the Oscars, blah, 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 blah. Who cares? Initially, he refused to do anything. Then he apologized, but it still wasn't good enough. That's when Cannon stepped in, posting to his own Twitter feed examples of homophobic tweets from some of Hollywood's most recognizable woke names. Amy Schumer, Sarah Silverman, and Chelsea Candler. Because everybody's so scared, even this conservative side said, warning, the language is pretty strong. Yeah, there it is. Nick Cannon, interesting. I wonder if there's any backlash here. Chelsea Hanner, this is what a fag bird like looks like when it flexes. Yeah, she said that. Next tweet by Nick Cannon. I'm just saying, should we keep going? Amy Schuber, enjoy Skyfall, fags. I'm about to get knee deep in Helen Hunt. Nick Cannon, and I fucking love Wreck-It Ralph. Sarah Silverman, I don't mean this in a hateful way, but the new Bachelorette's a faggot. Those are more recent than hearts. Cannon doesn't want these three people to be forced to apologize, IndieWire reports, but to question why so much backlash was given to Hart when homophobic jokes have been made for some time by comics, both male and female. Ultimately, Cannon believes that comedians should be free to joke about what they want and to make mistakes, missteps, and bad jokes along the way without those mistakes coming back to haunt them when they're nominated to host one of the single largest entertainment events on the calendar, which nobody watches anymore, but go ahead. You know I've been saying fucked up shit since Twitter started, Cannon replied to one fan who asked him what he was doing. I don't play that politically correct bullshit. Fuck politics. Only truth. Nick Cannon, I'm now a fan. None of the women Cannon exposed have apologized for her tweets or really said anything in response to Cannon's publication. Sarah Silverman, IndieWire, says has occasionally cited her previous work as rough and amateurish. All I can do is learn from it, be changed forever by it, and do what I can do to make it right going forward, Silverman told The Guardian last year. Strangely, though, Woke Hollywood isn't willing to grant the same grace to Kevin Hart. Because they're fucking hypocrites. There's no gay mafia going through Amy Schuster's Twitter feed. They don't fucking care. She's an ally. Nobody's over there at Sarah Silverman's to see the horrible fucking shit that Trump has said because she hates Trump. 
She hate Trump, yo. She's on our team. But this was round one. This was the pre-fight on the card. The real z was USA Today. As of early Sunday morning, four offensive tweets using an anti-gay slur remain active on the Heisman winner's account. Anna Navarro. Mamas and daddies, please teach your kids homophobic, racist, misogyny. is just not funny. Really, it's not that hard. Kyler Murray apologizes for homophobic tweets that we surfaced after he won the Heisman. Kids do all kinds of things they've been taught not to do. That's why we let these some things go when people are underage. Stop this, leftist Puritan. Are tut-tutting on virtue signaling here when you have protection of no internet, social media, or widespread pocket HD video recording devices when you were 14 is really disgusting. How about just sit this one out, mamas and daddies, teach your children not to be Anna Navarro's reply. My point on this is when Anna Navarro, who has said the most hateful shit on TV, thinks she can virtue signal, and she does, on this subject, I said, why don't you shut your fucking yapper? When you go look at a reel of your meltdowns on fucking this week, come back and talk to me about how to raise kids. Stephen Miller was the one that brought this highlight. That's how I even found about it, because it didn't go crazy. Or maybe I wasn't on, I was watching football Sunday, because the Packers actually played decent. Stephen Miller, someone just made this point, I don't remember who, that our garbage media waits until someone accomplishes something great like a lifelong dream, then drags this stuff out. They're a viper's nest. Treat them that way. These tweets have been out there for the kid's entire career. They didn't care until he accomplished something. Also, um, he's black. A majority white newsroom like USA Today gets news that a gifted black athlete wins an historic award, and their first thought is, okay, guys, start searching his tweets for offensive keywords. And their colleagues are just cool with that. Great work, guys. And my favorite tweet he did, you people earn the enemy label with every single one of these dumb fucking stories. Yeah. Ben Shapiro. You don't have to agree with people to think that politically driven social media deplatforming is deeply dangerous to the discourse. Patron's targeting of Sargon of Akkad is just the latest example. And that goes for schmucks and charlatans like Alex Jones and Milo, too. When Alex Jones was first deplatformed, you were all for it because you thought it was only him. As I recall, you said Twitter's a privately owned company. Now you see you'll be next and you're changing your tune. Note to pissy SJWs. This is now responses, sorry. And then now he's responding back. Once you forcibly expel everyone who isn't in your little clique of woke saints, you're going to find yourself facing down a quite a few angry people who won't work with you on your actual priorities. And he's right. Ryan Savandra. This tweets, these tweets are from six years ago when the kid was 16 years old. If you get outraged over this kind of crap, you might want to get a life. Oklahoma Athletics did not immediately respond to an inquiry by USA Today Sports regarding the tweet late Sunday night. was in the article. Ryan Savandra, seriously? The athletic department did not respond while they were celebrating their guy who won the Heisman? What a fucking joke. This writer is a clown. Look at the way it's worded. But the Oklahoma quarterback's memorable night also helped resurface social media memories of several homophobic tweets more than six years old. 
if Gleason found these tweets on his own, then this is a dishonest way of framing the article. A resume that appears to belong to Scott Gleason says he's covered LGBT issues in sports, specifically homophobia. There's no problem with this, so why is it relevant? Gleason wrote in his report that the tweets just resurfaced. Is this true, or did he dig them up? Once again, just said it. He didn't dig it up. He surfaced, He dug into all three finalists to find something to take away their fucking night. Because it's more important to have not said inappropriate words that actually don't mean inappropriate things 10, 12 years ago to current liberal standards. Kyler Murray, I apologize for the tweets that have come to light tonight from when I was 14. I used a poor choice of word that doesn't reflect who I am or what I believe. I did not intend to single out any individual or group. Peace comes out. USA Today gets blasted for hit piece about Heisman winners tweets immediately after he won. Mark Dice, stop looking for things to offend you. You are miserable trolls. Sam Rubino, sitting on tweets until something positive happens to a person and turning into a negative is ridiculous and don't hide behind journalism. Ryan M. Spader, curious why you intentionally do not show his tweets. Oh, wait. Oh, no, I'm not. I know exactly why. Wonderful Christmas. They didn't surface. You dug them up. Gabriel Maller, oh, for Pete's sakes, you fucking vultures. Journalism. He was 15 years old. Fuck off. Stephen Miller. So this didn't go quite the way you thought it would. Great journalism, guys. 12, oh, was it? no, I'm sorry, 1,800 attacks on them. Only 100 retweets of the article. Bree. A female millennial. That's why I grabbed it. To think that someone actually sat down, typed this up, and thought, yeah, this is newsworthy. Cliff Sims. If your first thought when someone achieves something great is to find a way to ruin it for them by desperately searching for something controversial they did or said in the past, or as a kid, you're a complete and total fucking loser. Arthur Schwartz. He was 15. How old was Amazon? Washington Post reporter G.D. Osway won when he tweeted his anti-Semitic and homophobic tweets. Why does Duncan Dossie get a pass? Because they're liberals. And John Cardillo, leave this kid alone, you disgraceful fucking hacks. It is what we are. I tweeted Kyler Murley. I said, drive on with your life. You can't be held accountable for what you said 10 years ago because 10 years from now, the left's going to come up with new words that are either sexist, racist, homophobic, or transphobic and tell us we can't use them. You do you. Fuck them. And I was the norm. These fucking vultures are fucking horrible. They're just horrible. Horrible. When every one of them knows, fag didn't mean homosexual in the context circa 2000. Just didn't. That shit didn't come fucking to, oh my God, you can't say that, until Macy starts shoving it down our neck with fancy boots. So, I'm taking extra breaks today because Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. So we're going to take a break and play this kick-ass song from Jars of Clay. I love Jars of Clay growing up. I didn't know that they were a religious band. Never knew. I didn't even know Flood was a religious song 
until years later. But they did a version of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer that I found last night because the song came up. We were watching something and the guitar sounded like Jars of Clay. So me and my wife tried to sing the song and we couldn't fucking sing the lyrics. So we looked the lyrics up and somehow, some way, the song came up. But they did Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer over Teen Spirit by Nirvana. And it is fucking epic. Enjoy.
things. We just had to get that out of the way. Welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast with Tony Reed. Ah, uh, that's pretty cool. It's called Smells Like Rudolph. thought it was pretty damn funny. So, to other stuff, Warren, this is now the new line on Elizabeth Warren. I am a real Cherokee, but really I'm only one and one, a one over 1,024th. I don't even know how to say it. That's how fucking obscure it is. Actual Indian, so she lied. Nate Silver, there's something very Hillary Clinton-esque about the Warren DNA test story and the way the press is handling it. Yeah, she showed poor judgment, but it's a minor story treated like a major crisis, probably a proxy for other concerns and or biases. So it's sexist. David C. Miller, she absolutely did. Don't you remember the video? That ain't cheap. She got the results off to the Boston Glows as part of the coordinated media rollout. They can't push a story that hard and then actually say, oh, it's just minor. The New York Times is out with a barn burner of a piece and Senator Elizabeth Warren account from anonymous current and former advisors slamming the fake Native American for taking that DNA test. How damaging was the E. Warren DNA test? Very, from the article. Several outsider advisors are even more worried. They say they believe a plan should be made to repair that damage, possibly including a strong statement of apology. One former advisor called her taking of the DNA test a strategic failure and called the whole episode depressing and forgettable unforgettable in the article a chief of staff and an editor from new york times said the whole thing was bonkers why do it if you don't know but not the media douche nozzles and near a tandem breaking news new york times giving new york time treatment to a democratic woman who may run for president i have pangs of ptsd already Huge article interviewing liberals, not conservatives. She's a liar. Trump was right. Say the words. He wasn't right for calling her Pocahontas, though it was very funny. But everybody was. She's a, she looks about Indianish as I look like an African American. So why shouldn't she be punished? If a conservative rolled around getting special treatment using minority status, do you think we'd have problems with the New York Times coming out and saying, hey, yo, that's fucked up? My statement to Nate Silver, Nira Tannen, and the rest of the Washington elites like Chuck Todd, why the fuck ain't this front page? Why the fuck aren't we not hearing about it every goddamn day like the 47% video and dogs on roofs? Oh, I know why. Same team. Got it. Bush funeral. New York Times makes Bush tribute all about snappish, peevish oversense of Trump. Then the Washington Post, during the funeral, rips off three stories bashing him. But to show the media is the fucking craziest fuckheads ever, here's an ABC guy disrespecting the office of the President of the United States. Because that's what we were told under Obama. By fantasizing 
about Trump's funeral, a guy sneaking in on MSDNC, you know, you actually can talk about the funeral without talking about Trump. Yeah, no, they can't. President Trump's presidency is different. It is, in fact, a repudiation of much of what George Herbert Walker Bush and George Walker Bush stood for because the people who voted him wanted that repudiation. So he is part of that of that line of, of presidents, part of the will of the people asserting itself. Uh, and, and I think that for all of the different kind of president that he is, certainly different kind of character, different kind of politician, uh, certainly than George Herbert Walker Bush, he shares with all the others up there uh, that that he is an expression of the will of the American people. So there's 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 continuity and discontinuity, but it's all because of the decisions voters made. And perhaps a recognition in terms of his involvement in the proceedings by President Trump that he someday will be getting a similar treatment uh, when, when he passes as a former president of the United States. Probably a different tone uh, in that funeral. Perhaps. He's gonna, first, he's going to choreograph it, so there may be more trumpets so and Maybe he was uh, taking, taking cues. Yes, he would do it bigger, uh, one would imagine. It would be, be the best presidential funeral ever. ever. No one had, will ever have seen anything like that. John, we knew this day w was coming, uh, and yet... Uh, Despite all the time you spent with the Bush family, all the time you spent studying this man, are you surprised, and is the family surprised, by the degree of uh, the outpouring of respect and admiration that this country and the world has poured uh, on George H.W. Bush's uh, life and memory? You know, this, this may sound saccharine, but is, has the virtue of being true. Um, I don't think surprised is the word. I think grateful is the word. Uh, you know, you, you've, you've known him forever. We've all thought about him and, and, and studied him. And, and I think particularly in recent years, we've longed for a guy who would, in fact, put, his, put the overall good ahead of his own personal issues. And this is not about the incumbent. It is possible, by the way, in America to have a conversation about someone and yes. it not be about the incumbent yeah. president. And what, and to me, just one other point on this, for people who might be getting tired of the enconums and think it's all might, maybe overboard or whatever, I, I believe as strongly as I believe anything that George H.W. Bush is as interesting for his imperfections as he is for his virtues. Mm -hmm. Because... We learn, we learn far more from sinners than we do from saints, which is a damn good thing given the relative proportion of the two in the population. Yeah, you people are fucking assholes. Here's another one. Uh, Washington Post analyst writer by, written by reporter Philip Bump caught the eye of former George W. Bush press secretary Ari Fleischer. Post politics, the falsification of the Trump White House visualized. Ari Fleischer. More than 26 reporters went into the Obama administration. I guess that was fine with the press back then, but not now. The Post media reporter Eric Wemple joined in the WAPO calling and taking aim at Fox. Eric Wemple, all right, 
Were they from the same cable networks, the same cable news networks, and the president watches for hours and hours each day and get bonus information from no, no silly. Barack Obama had his pickup reporters from every network, newspaper, and magazine. They almost all fell for him, and those who didn't join his administration loved him and gave him soft coverage for eight fucking years. That's a huge thing. Somebody from Fox, a girl, I got on the back end in a seltzer soundbite. They just, oh, you can't have somebody in Fox in the White House. I'm not going back to the old podcast. Don't worry. For those who have been listening, I won't rant about how every fucking network had linkage to the Obama administration. Thus the soft fucking coverage. Then there's been a lot of angst over what Wisconsin's doing. I'm not going to play it. we got a long podcast today. But there are so many freaking out about Wisconsin. Chuck Todd had the gall to say, on the heels of a, uh, the funeral of George H.W. Bush, Republicans have ruined the empathetic feelings we've had and the good feeling that Washington came together with their crooked shit of trying to reduce power for the incoming Democratic majority. Libs do it all the time. Shut the fuck up. Let's go to hate tweets. Hate tweet of the day! Joining me now with Reaction, conservative commentator Michelle Malkin and Code Pink's national co-director, Ariel Gold. All right, Ariel, now you say that Linda Sarsour is an ally of the Jewish people. Then, then why would Jewish Americans like Jonathan Greenblatt, he's the head of the Anti-Defamation League, have a real problem with their statements? It's so disgraceful that Jonathan Greenblatt is spending his time going after people who are our real allies. After the attack on Jewish cemeteries, Linda Sarsour raised over $100,000. After the Pittsburgh massacre, she raised over $200,000. Why are people trying to drive wedges between Muslim and Jewish partnership? We have no greater ally in the Jewish community in this time where anti-Semitism is dangerously on the rise than Linda Sarsour. So so the Anti-Defamation League doesn't know what anti-Semitism is? The Anti-Defamation League is completely out of line in this case. And they are on the wrong track. They're on a witch hunt against Linda Sarsour for being a strong Palestinian Muslim woman so, rather uh, than dealing with the fact that we have white nationalism in the Senate, in the House, and in the White House. We have, wait a second, we have white nationalism in the white Senate? White nationalism name is three, on the Name rise. three white nationalist senators. What about right Sean King? Why is he a white nationalist? In the U.S. Senate? Sean King! In the in the house, he's an activist for Black Lives Matter. Uh, sorry, I might be referring. Uh, sorry, I might be referring to. Um... That's all right. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's uh, that's. I don't know what you're, I don't know what you're getting there. Yeah, but... let me rescue her. Yeah. Let's let's talk about this, Michelle. I think that. 
Sadly, you know, when we have these uh, very emotional appeals by people like Linda Sarsour, she's, she's kind of an interesting figure. I mean, she's very, you know, captivating in many ways, the way she talks. She's a leftist. She hates Trump. Woman, Muslim. And so I think a lot of people kind of give her a lot of slack for that reason. And yet, if conservatives say one thing out of line, you got media, media matters, little people in their underwear in the basement writing about you, you get all these, like, you know, boycott, boycott, boycott. But someone like Linda Sarsour gets ready to get Mercedes sponsoring her interviews. Shocking. Yeah, right. Well, well, she's bamboozled a lot of people, and she is uh, a master at using the Islamic technique of taqiyah, which is lying to promote the Islamic caliphate and Sharia law. And I just want to give credit to all of the outspoken critics of Sharia out there who have been squelched by social media and who have been marginalized by the elites uh, in uh, the mainstream media, people like Laura Loomer, who was the one who was responsible for confronting those women's march organizers who marched in to uh, one of these Politicon conferences in L.A. and was the one who disrupted it to call Alyssa Milano to the carpet. And it wasn't until that happened that these women's march leaders finally acknowledged the toxic anti-Semitism that lies at the intersection of the extreme left and radical Islam. There is um, a, a type of of Sharia, an American Sharia, a Silicon Valley Sharia that uh, seeks to silence those voices. And I think that Ariel Gold in particular has a lot of goal talking about repairing relationships with people when Ariel Gold and Code Pink itself uh, have been so much responsible for the kind of toxic anti-Semitism and hatred of Israel that we're seeing. In fact, Ariel Gold has uttered the same phrase that Mark Lamont Hill got fired for uh, from the river to the sea, which is not just a dog whistle. It is a blatant call. It is the most famous right, call for the Ariel, extermination of the state of Israel. Uh, so first Ariel. of all, I meant to say Steve King Phony. in the House, who's supporting supports white nationalists. But from the river to Why the you sea, talk about Mark your own Lamont racism. Hill was clear that what he was discussing is that Palestinians well, deserve yeah. freedom, equality, right. and he justice, didn't, didn't just as Israelis do. He did. He said that Palestinians inside Israel Why, face over Ariel, 60 Why laws is he of hanging out with Farrakhan? Would you hang out with Farrakhan? Banks face military occupation. He calls Jews termites. You're a liar. In Gaza He's a liar. Are Ariel. So this is unlivable. So voting the way of talking doesn't make you any more. Yeah, it doesn't make you any more credible. Ariel, here's your problem. Rights that Israelis. Ariel, Ariel, here's your problem. You got a an avowed. I'm sorry, an avowed anti-Semite in, in Farrakhan. Do you disagree with that? I have no support, no love for Farrakhan. Okay, so Farrakhan why is the head of the Women's March posing with him, and why are the, the trio of fools at the Women's March showing up at his Nation of Islam conferences? Why? Linda Sarsour is shows up for Jews. Nobody showed up. Why after is the she Pittsburgh going to Farrakhan's conference? You have no answer for this, Ariel. And I'm telling you, the Fox viewers are watching this. And, and Linda Sarsour has You look like been a wonderful person. Very, but very clear if Donald Trump showed up at his not conference, you'd be going crazy on him. Then don't go to his conference. Hatred, Anti-LGBTQ anti-Semitism. He wants to wipe Israel off the face of the map, and you got these people standing side by side with him. That is shameful. The man is an, he's an old guy now, but he is a shameful anti-Semite. 
He's been that his whole life, and he ridicules all these groups that you're in favor of. He goes after the LGBT community. He uh, ridicules women. Farrakhan doesn't. I want to go back to Michelle because I'm I'm very this the, the rise of anti-Semitism. Alan Dershowitz talked about this today, Michelle, on my radio show specifically CNN. What's that? Okay, we don't have time to go to unfortunately, but uh, guys, I'm sorry. We could do this for an hour. And both of you are great guests. I didn't mean to get too hot on this, but uh, you're both great guests to come on. It's a very important topic. Coming up, what is lurking inside the caravan at our southern border? Yeah, that's a code peak moron that doesn't know the difference between Sean King and Steve King. But within that, we have some good stuff. Code Pink, Linda Sassar is the greatest ally to the Jewish people. We have no greater ally in the Jewish community in this time where anti-Semitism is dangerously on the rise than Linda Sasser. But there's a problem. There was an investigation published within the Women's March in Tablet Magazine. It's making waves on social media last night. Because a woman that was there at the first meeting of the organization recalls anti-Semitic statements by, oh no, not Tamika Mallory and Carmen Perez, Yahir Rosenberg. Among Tablet's Women's March investigation findings, first-hand sources recount anti-Semitic statements from the co-chairs behind the scenes. Multiple sources in Linda Sasser's own Facebook feed confirm the chairs use Farrakhan National Nation of Islam for the supporting statements. I suddenly realized, this is from the article, that Tamika and Carmen were facing Vanessa, who was sitting on a couch and berating, but it wasn't about her being white, it was about her being Jewish. Your people this, your people that. I was raised in the South and the language that was used in the language that I'm very used to hearing in rural South Carolina, just instead of against black people, against Jewish people. They even said to her, your people hold all the wealth. You could hear a pin drop. It was awful. Yvonne Harmon, Women's March co-founder, recalls two of the co-chairs, Tamika Mallory and Carmen Perez, berating fellow Women's March organizer. Basically, this deep investigation report in the Women's March by Liam McSweeney and Jacob Siegel show how the current co-chairs initiated a hostile takeover of the march from the movement's original grassroots founders and pushed them out. Read it all here. The Women's March co-chairs have gotten a lot of attention for the refusal to disavow Louis Farrakhan, and that's really a footnote to the real story of what happened to the march, which is this. According to sources, the founders began the organization by blaming Jews for slavery, discriminating against screaming at their white Jewish women co-founders, claiming Jews exploit brown people, sharing Farrakhan propaganda. From the article, according to several sources, it was there in the first hours of the first meeting for what would become the Women's March, that something happened that was so shameful to many of those who witnessed it, they chose to bury it like a family secret. Almost two years would pass before anyone present would speak about it. It was there that as the Women's March opening up about their backgrounds and personal investment in creating a resistance movement to Trump, Perez and Mallory allegedly first asserted that Jewish people bore a special collective responsibility as exploiters of blacks and brown people, and even according (coughs) to Close... Second-hand source claimed that Jews were proven to have been leaders of the American slave trade. These are canards popularized, popularized by the second relation between blacks and Jews, a book published by Louis Farrakhan's Nation of Islam, the Bible of the New Anti-Semitism. 
Sasar, Mallory, and Perez corrupted the Women's March for their own intersectional agenda, which excludes pro-Israel women as leaders of the Women's March. They have access to politicians who coat them with legitimacy. There's also articles of black people attacking Jewish people in New York because of this same type of Louis Farrakhan thinking. Why do I cover it? Just a while ago, one of the women came out and said they need to go the fuck away because they're anti-Semitic. Even that fucking idiot Alyssa Milano agreed, but the media doubled down and protected him. Protected him. Attacked that lady. And now Tablet Magazine gets the inside story, and it's true. They blame Jews for everything. They're fucking anti-Semitic racists. They're horrible people. And everybody who's conservative and has read their shit on Twitter has been saying that for fucking years. But they get a pass. They're not Kevin Hart. They get a pass. Then we had Human Rights Day. This just put a burr in my fucking saddle. Abortion access is a human rights. This is NARAL. Abortion access is a human rights, period. End of story! Planned Parenthood. Repro rights are human rights. Repro rights are human rights. Are they repeated like six times? That collective thud you might have heard was a whole lot of heads crashing to deaths over the show, show of shameless self-awareness. Don't tell that to humans in the wombs. Another tweet. Except for the unborn baby. What about his or her human rights? He or she is a human, and then you kill it. And why are they fired up? Hidden and somehow not brought out. Scientists passed Trump administration for stopping contract to buy aborted baby parts for research. Here's the interesting thing. Not going to read the story. The media never covered this. And you know why they didn't cover this? Because they said all the baby part harvesting in Planned Parenthood was a lie. It was an edited video. 47% grabbing the pussy. Those aren't edited. They're not out of context. That is from Moses, like the tablets of the freaking Ten Commandments. It is the truth. But every time a right-wing sting gets in there and gets some horrible shit on Planned Parenthood, fucking Democrats busing people that we played on the show. That's all edited, made up. It's not real. So they actually covered that now NARAL and Planned Parenthood are pissed because they can't get their chop shop on with human beings. They'd have to admit, okay, they're really doing that shit. And the media's never even covered it. So, hmm. Then there was this linked with it. Abortion clinic kicks woman out at closing time while she's hemorrhaging from an abortion. They told her to get the fuck out and call 911. I want you to understand, the reason why I cover that is that all the hubbub over changing abortion rules and local state laws saying you have to have a gurney-wide hallway, a doctor on call, is because women have problems and complications with abortions. But the left said that's not a thing. It's just They're just trying to take away the right to choose to kill a human being. And there's a perfect case that, you know, if this was a flipped, you know, if this was flipped and it was a right-left thing, 
and abortion was a right thing, you would have had this blaring on your TV. They kicked a woman who's fucking hemorrhaging out and told her, get fixed on your own, motherfucker, because we don't have a doctor. And they show them they had to wheelchair out of the goddamn building and put her on a fucking gurney because the goddamn gurney wouldn't fit in the fucking room. Which kind of makes all those laws make sense. Other hate tweets. Beto O'Rourke and Al Sharpton met up. They're really thinking this guy's going to win the presidency. Whatevs. And then Bill Crystal's my favorite, really. Donald Trump, which we'll cover it in our military corner, tweeted about the honor of going to the Army-Navy game. But as we said on the last podcast, the weekly standards going under because they're all never-Trumpers and they're hypocritical pieces of shit. And become more petty than the left. This is what Bill Crystal tweeted. If you generally respect those who serve and have served in the U.S. military, you are repulsed by Trump's fanboy military cheerleading. The kids playing in the Army-Navy game are impressive young men, as they've been first to say. They're not heroes. Trump cheapens everything. It's hard for me to believe he said this, but there it is. Here it is. It's Crystal, not guilty of cheapening things too, namely his arguments and stuff. People pulled back his tweets. 15 years ago after 9-11, let us honor the heroes of that day and the 9-11 generations who subsequently volunteered to serve. After high school and college, but no, they chose to serve knowing full well brutal wars in their future. They did not avoid the basic and cherished responsibility of citizen, the defense of the country. They welcomed it. They are the very best this country produces and have put every one of us ahead of themselves. All our heroes were simply stepping forward, and we as a people owe a debt we can never fully repay. This is from 2016. So now, you can't call them heroes. Bill Crystal said so. Hmm. Some more hate stuff. In the immediate aftermath of Hillary Clinton's election loss in 2016, we saw women sobbing at the Javits Center. Her others tell how they vomited when they realized Donald Trump had prevailed. In the following weeks, we saw even more hot takes. Articles about women who couldn't stop crying, women who had given up dating, women who had cut off their hair or dyed it black to do something. Dress their pain. We're now two years in. The New York Magazine Intelligencer is attacking the problem of Trump's presidency ruining marriages. Intelligencer. How conflict over politics is testing or even ending relationships. I bought poster board. We made signs at Starbucks the day of the march. I said to Joffrey, hey, come with me. He said, no, that's okay. How much money did you spend on the poster board anyway? I divorced him. Yeah. I started a group called Indivisible St. Louis. I think Joffrey figured it out. It would be an needlepoint pillow. I never finished. This is from the article. She's 50. Pre-Trump, we got into it now and then, probably on something about women's reproductive rights, but it was a fraction of what happened since back then. Samantha was also much, much, much less engaged in political and civic life. She's gone from zero to 60. And while I think I hate Trump as much as she does, Samantha is much angrier and almost more obsessed with it. The flip side is, it has also given her a new community and new projects that have been meaningful to her. It's friendly differences. Other than that, it's also deadly serious. When I talk about things like Brett Kavanaugh, for example, I have a far less innately insanity well, not insane, passionately hostile reaction to him than she does. I knew she was foaming at the mouth about it even before Dr. Ford came forward. So they both hate Trump, but she's much angrier and more obsessed. The problem is he doesn't hate Trump enough. And eventually 
she divorced him. If somebody can live rent-free in your head and make you change your entire life and divorce those the people you love or not talk to them, you're a fucking human piece of shit. Go fuck yourself. Washington Post recently published some very important scientific research about Trump voters. Who would tweet it? John Harwood. Of course, he's a journalist. Interesting research in WAPO, how Donald Trump appeals to men secretly insecure about their penis. Here's from the article. But our research suggests that Trump is not necessarily attracting male supporters who are as confidently masculine as the president presents himself to be. Instead, Trump appears to appeal more to men who are secretly insecure about their manhood. We call this a fragile masculinity hypothesis. Here's some of our evidence. We found that support for Trump in the 2016 election was higher in areas that had more searches for erectile dysfunction. Moreover, this relationship persisted after accounting for demographic attributes in media markets, such as the education levels and racial composition, as well as searches for topics unrelated to fragile masculinity, such as breast augmentation, menopause. In contrast, fragile masculinity was not associated with Romney and McCain, suggesting that the correlation of fragile masculinity in voting in a presidential election was distinctly stronger in 2016. The same findings emerged in 2018. We estimated levels of fragile masculinity every market. U.S. market district based on levels in the media markets with their district overlaps. Before the election, we pre-registered our expectations, including the other factors that we would account for, and the more than 390 House elections pitting a Republican candidate against a Democratic candidate. Support for the Republican candidate was higher in the district than based on Google search data, and higher levels of fragile masculinity. However, there was no significant relation between fragile masculinity and voting in the 2014 or 2016 congressional elections. This is just that penises... Or white people voted for the Republicans. This is the most absurd concept, but the left is all into it. Remember, Google doesn't doctor. Google doesn't sell. Google doesn't do any of this shit. But here's another finding that Google handed over a bunch of research. And because people searched for fucking penis pills and they voted Republican, they're voting because they're worried about their penis. That's kind of like saying years ago, most of you probably who are listening aren't old enough, they had a correlation between drinking coffee and getting cancer because everybody who got cancer was drinking coffee. Coffee didn't give them the cancer, but it was a correlation. You fucking toads. I bet I, if I could get my hands on some Google search data for Uber people, we'd find out one of our stories on the back end, how to take a vacation against white people, how to kill white people, how do I make my penis into a vagina? Jesus fucking Christ, you fucking idiots. Let's get into some hate on the climate. Uh, uh, Laura Loftus, who bio says she's a graduate of the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism, Mass Communication at Arizona State University, and has contributed to WAPO, Phoenix Magazine and Arizona Sentinel thinks that the tsunami warning that was triggered today off the Alaska Anchorage earthquake. Well, let's just read it. There is a tsunami warning in Alaska. Please explain to me how climate change isn't real. She deleted it, but let's just break it down. Earthquakes have nothing to do with anything in Alaska. I could see some moon bat saying fracking is giving you earthquake other places, and I think I've read articles that way 
whatevs. This is Alaska. They're not fracking. You're a fucking idiot. Wired takes it even further. Today's babies by adulthood will live on a planet without an Arctic. Prevalence of heat stroke and extreme weather will have redefined global labor and protection beyond recognition. Your planet's on fire, kids! Somebody else said in 12 years we're all going to be dead. I heard that before with Al Gore. But NBC, they are the big ghouls on this. And here's the big ghoul. They're excited about damage from storms. Because it's good for climate change agenda. No fucking shit. What's the thing that most people have to understand about the role that humanity has in climate change? We have to understand that each little tiny thing that each of us is doing, Mm -hmm. in addition to all the other things that support our lives structurally, is making it worse and worse. How do you get people to understand how big it is, the threat it is, and what they can do? Yeah, you know, so I'm so conflicted on this issue because on the one hand, it's... It's good news in a sense that we can feel it in our lives now, that we're beginning to see floods and wildfires and all sorts of things that that are directly being produced by the forces uh, at work here in our changing climate. And yet at the same time, scientists have always said to us that by the time we actually tangibly feel it in our own lives, it's kind of too late. And so there's there's a, a real sort of mixed blessing here in the fact that we're actually experiencing it day to day now. On the tails of that, A, those are horrible people. But this is, once again, going back to the Heisman, Kevin Hart. No one believed Tanika Ahmet when she said Neil deGrasse Tyson raped her in 1980. Now three other women have come forward to make five accusers that he sexually harassed them. Yet every day, he's still on my TV. Yeah. African Americans, second place, climate change. Ocasio Cortez is a loser because she violated House ethic rules threatening Trump Jr. for trolling her on Twitter. Exact tweet. I have noticed that Jr. here has a habit of posting nonsense about me whenever the Mueller investigation heats up. Please keep it coming, Junior. It's definitely a very, very large brain idea to troll a member of a body that will have subpoena power in a month. Have fun. Sean Davis, are you threatening to use your power as a federal official to subpoena anyone who mocks or otherwise disagrees with you on the Internet? Perhaps she should have read her orientation handbook because that's a violation of ethics rules. Her reply, for the GOP crying that this is a threat, I don't have power to subpoena anybody. Congress has a body, GOP included, has a power. No individual member can issue a subpoena unless they are the chair. Simultaneously, she got somebody slammed off Twitter for calling her a bitch. He was just a nobody. A nobody. A nobody. That's the left. We are in power. We will take you down. She also said inevitable global warming governance will create economic, social, and racial justice. So they're trying to just intersectional this whole climate change stuff into a big bucket of fucking yak. 
Yeah, it all comes together. Somehow we fix climate change, black people get slave reparation, everybody will get free transgender surgeries. It's a beautiful fucking world. And our last hate tweet till we go into our tweet of the day. Groupon. An evening with the Clintons up to 55% off. That's how far the Clinton Foundation has gone. <laughs> I love it. But our tweet of the day, Gary Sinise, over 1,000 Gold Star children travel with surviving parent, 1,750 in all, via American Air to Disney World today as part of our Gary Sinise Foundation Snowball Express program. This charter left LAX this morning. I'll join up in a few days. Have fun, kids. We love you. 1,750 kids with their families got a free trip to Disney World from the Gary Sinise Foundation and yet the media ignores it because once again he's conservative but Gary Sinise who I met and he touched my wife's back and I thought it was pretty cool because she was in a hot dress you are our tweet of the day on the back end of the yayays some more Christmas music it's actually a Kanye West song, but I love this version by Pentatonix. We're going to do two songs. Oh, yeah, two songs. And then we're coming into news, social, media nuggets. How lonely nights are start to fade. Her love's a thousand miles away. Memories made in the coldest winter Goodbye, my friend Will I ever love again? Memories made in the coldest winter
Welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast with Tony Reid. Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. It's a whole new ball game on campus these days, and they call it PC. PC? Politically correct. And it's not just politics, it's everything. It's what you eat, it's what you wear, and it's what you say. If you don't watch yourself, you can get in a buttload of trouble. For instance, see these girls? Yeah. No, you don't. Those are women. You call them girls, and they'll pop your figs. Save the whales! Gays in the military now! Please don't sit there! You'll hear the sound that you hear when you dig this. So what does this mean exactly? I don't understand. It's hard to explain. I'm sorry. I knew you weren't Will we still stay in touch? Yeah. Do you know what you're getting yourself into? I do. Dad would be proud. Thanks. Choices. At every step of our paths, let me give you a hand. There would drive where we go. I decided where I'm going to be going to school next year. And the hardest choices. Where? The ones that impact the most people. What's up, bro? What you doing here, man? Hey, little man. We had to talk. But what's up? I finally decided where I'm going to play. Okay. And embrace the most uncertainty. Navy. Like the military? I'm going to West Point. They define our lives forever. The army. No. No. Mom and Dad won't let this happen. They make this choice, knowing all the expectations, knowing all the work, all the risk. Actually, we were kind of shocked because he had never mentioned any interest in the military before. We couldn't make this decision for him. Knowing what could come with that, that's not an easy decision. It's not for the faint of heart. Work as hard as you can. Never give up. That's the attitude. They just decide things differently. They make different decisions than normal kids. Mommy believes this is the greatest country on earth, and we believe it too. So that's why we're here. <laughs> we all know how precious spending time with them is. So you give up that. They're not yours anymore. They belong to the Navy. <laughs> you are signing up to lay down your life for someone else. I just admire the ability to make such a difficult choice. Much, much bigger than football. They don't come to these academies to be recognized. They don't make this choice to be cheered. What's so funny? 
but once a year, there is a chance to celebrate them. The Army-Navy game. It's the greatest sporting event in the country. It's very impressive. I mean, there's generals and admirals and the flyby. We're basically all on the same team. It's a healthy rivalry, but it's a rivalry that's so much bigger than football. There's pageantry, and there's passion. There's history, and there are memories. But there's also a game to watch and a chance to celebrate the choice they've made. Army! Army! <laughs> I can be loud, fellas, so get ready. I got some pom-poms upstairs. Want me to get them? Go cute! Beat Navy! Again! Go Navy! Go Army! Beat Navy! Go Navy! Beat Army! Woo! We're originally from Nigeria. I wasn't a fan then, but I'm the biggest fan now. All along, throughout their life, you're trying to guide them, and you just are overwhelmed with pride. He's always been good about keeping an eye out for others, and, and um, it's pretty much how he lives his life. My pride is in the type of person he is. His choices have taught us things. They are your heart and soul. But sacrificing for the country is a big deal to him. So, yeah. It, it makes me happy. It makes my heart smile. He's there. He's willing to give it all for everybody else. And I mean, how many parents can say that about their kids? How many? Not a lot. They've chosen to sacrifice. Just be safe, bro. To dedicate. To serve. It takes a different kind of kid hey. to commit to this path. Now today in a football game, celebrate the courage of every man and woman ever to make that commitment. This is Army-Navy. Okay, that was once again uh, Coldest Winter. It's Kanye West, but that was Pentatonic's cover. And Eric, uh, what the frick, I had the name and I freaking forgot. Eric Whitaker, Glow. And I got that from uh, Belmont Christmas. Uh, was just crushed. Every year I watch Christmas at the Belmont. And it's done on our PBS station. It's a local college. And it's just a really great show. For some reason this year they didn't broadcast the 2018. They repeated the 2017. But that was a song on there. And they did it with a choir. And I thought it was beautiful. So, you then heard... That CBS intro, every year as a vet, I gotta admit, I, I crave listening to that. And, uh, you know, I, I tweeted and got liked a billion times. It still amazes me in our divisive country where service is frowned upon and hating the country is awesome because of Trump. People still sign up. People still go and serve this country. Uh, especially when we're in war. And seeing the stories of these guys, I, there is never a time I don't get teary-eyed. Um, because as stated many times on the show, I, you know, I don't know what I would have done at that age. You know, Now, <clears throat> I think I would have done the right thing, and I'm pretty sure I would have, because my whole family had fought and served. But until you're there, you don't know. When I signed up, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I lost my college ride for 
wrestling, or at least an offer. Uh, it was being offered. I don't know how much of the ride it was going to be because I got kicked off the team. And, you know, I didn't want to be pumping gas because you, you can't pump your own gas in Oregon. So I figured college fund two years and figure out what the fuck I wanted to do with my life. And, you know, at least I can go to college then because I didn't know what I wanted to do. And then it became a calling. Um, it became what I wanted to do with my life until I could physically do it no more. Or else I still would have been in. Um, so it's, it's just so heartening to see that. But the Army re, uh, three-peated Commander's Truck Cuff Trophy. First time in forever two 10-2 seasons with a chance to be 11-2. They are ranked. They will finish the season ranked in the top 25. And that coach, if you could, uh, if you have the athletic, it's worth the eight bucks a month. It is a um, just a great, great fee because you get some really good reporting. And and that Munchen guy who looks just like Scott in uh, Georgia, buddy from NTC, looks just like I won't say his last name. Um, he's overthrown that part, that whole program. They were in the basement, three and t- three and uh, nine. They just were horrible, and he has just made them a power. I mean, I don't think people realize they had to go to overtime. Oklahoma did with Army. That's amazing. They're going to the college playoffs. Um, just amazing. And uh, lastly, before we move off it, I want to thank. Uh, Zach in Tennessee, one of my longtime listeners, because he's related to me and he has nothing better to do with his life, so he probably mocks his dad every night. But uh, thanks for coming over. The game was horrible, but it is a tradition since you're a little guy. We've we've watched the Army-Navy game, and it's never really about the game. It's more about uh, just spending time together and having some good food. And Mom did throw down some good macaroni and cheese. So, moving off. Uh, the Army, or the Navy... Flew the largest missing man formation ever. 21 jets over uh, George H.W. Bush's library when they um, put him to rest. And I just wanted to cover that. I thought that was amazing. And then uh, Matt in Oregon, my bro-bro, sent me this interesting article that I hadn't even heard of. And it's a long tape. I was going to play it because it's just phenomenal listening to the Rockassons. It was my unit that I served with in um, Hunter first, one of them. Uh, just the things they said to Afghans, we're not speaking English, don't talk to me. And uh, Basically what happened, National Guard unit attacks the 101st Airborne soldiers during firefight. Friendly fire is anything but friendly, and members of the 101st Airborne Division Rockasans learned this the hard way in Afghanistan after they were allegedly lit up by trigger-happy Army National Guardsmen. In the 2014 published video, a gun battle could be seen taking place between Taliban and members of the 101st, the 187 Infantry Regiment, somewhere in Afghanistan. Embedded with the Afghan National Army troops, the rocks began to return fire towards the village the Taliban were firing from. Halfway across the giant field, we took context. Seems like it came from everyone, one soldier said in the video description claiming to be an NCO on the ground that day. So we hit the first bit of cover available, small dish, and we got lead rained down on us. Around 10 minutes in a fight, a National Guard supply comp I rolled into the AO, Area of Operations, apparently not tracking force movement because they have 
Blue Force tracker in every vehicle. Seeing a gun battle unfold, they opened and fire on the rocks. Our battalion was not aware they were on the road, therefore no one had the frequency to jump and tell them to sh- cease fire. These guys just rolled in blind. From 300 meters away, the weekend warriors began opening up with vehicle-mounted weapons. They assumed they had been engaged in doing what supply units are not taught to do. They stopped their trucks, spun their turrets, and engaged what they saw us in the ditch, bobbing up trying to figure out who the bad guys were. In fact, the National Guard was so good at laying down fire, the 101st, at the 101st, the Taliban left. They lit us up good. The Taliban broke contact shortly afterwards. The sergeant recalled, guess they were like, the National Guard will get them for us. During this time, the Afghan National Army troops continually spooked and endangered the rocks, firing RPGs at close quarters. Hey, asshole, one U.S. soldier could be heard shouting at an ANA soldier. Warn us next time, you dumb motherfucker. One Afghan soldier began babbling to another soldier in his native tongue, only to be cut off by a GI sergeant. Unless you speak English, don't talk to me. Once again, the National Guard opened up on the rocks, forcing them to stay low on the dish and find a way to call off the barrage. Dumb fucks one soldier said. The hunter first apparently still hold a grudge against the National Guards, but allegedly saw the signals and have eventually eventually be reached by radio. We had a JTAC, and he was tossing smoke, yelling into his own net, and cursing in every other direction, the NCO said. Nothing that he had, nothing that he had been wounded in battle. It took them a minute to even believe us that trucks were lighting us up. The convoy was just a bunch of idiots trying to earn their CIB or CAB combat action badge that they gave to everybody now because they felt robbed that they don't get an infantry badge. They did a million things wrong, and yes, we hate them. At one point, a beloved platoon sergeant was shot through both arms, and the soldier account sarcastically alludes that the National Guard likely played a part. Nothing saying those guard turds shot him. I don't want to give them credit for having any accuracy whatsoever, but we didn't take wounded until they showed up with the trucks and crew served weapons. The platoon sergeant was apparently sent home, forcing the NCO retelling the tale to take his place. The video has been viewed 516,588 times and features plenty of jabs at the subpar National Guard and Afghan National Army. National Guard and ANA YouTuber user Dr. Shable began, I can't think of a deadlier combination for friendlies. Mm-hmm. To this day, nobody knows what the unit was, but it doesn't surprise me. <clears throat> doesn't surprise me. So thanks, Matt. Good story. More than half of wounded, sick, injured post-9-11 veterans are rated obese, and this is coming from actual uh, wounded warrior. So uh, I would rate that probably true because I'm 80% disabled and I'm fat as fuck. Trial at each Iraqi bomb blast site, a trail of evidence leads to Iran. This site is being brought up by those that were victim. It's a law firm out of New Jersey trying to ambulance chase. Media is ignoring it because of Obama's Iran deal. But I've said it a million times on this show. Everybody I ever talked to, because once again, my wars didn't have IEDs. But everybody I ever met who'd been around an IED, the proof's in the pudding. The shit came from Iran. <clears throat> and Obama handed them billions of dollars so they could do some more. So uh, it's always been a, in our craw. Large-scale USAF war drill over Nevada simulated forcible entry maneuver war preparations. This was on uh, Zero Hedge, which locked up my computer for trying to copy their shit. They have a picture showing all the aircraft. Every year at this time, there's a big war game in Nevada, you fucking morons. But it was the funniest shit because it was like tinfoil hats. Like, what's happening? Medicare, or excuse me, many TRICARE users to see 2019 enrollment fees increase. Once again, 
This is not Trump administration. This is from the Obama administration. It was put in for these fiscal years for this to come in. Fortunately, they didn't fix it. But even though we're getting our increase, we're losing some money. So our next year, individual military retirees enrolled in TRICARE Prime will pay 297 years. A family will be 594 That's roughly 8 and a $16 increase, respectively. Out-of-pocket costs for some TRICARE Prime retirees also rise $1 to $61. We've already seen increases this year. We're seeing more next year. And truth be told, it'll be a $29 copay pretty soon. Just to go get my crack pills. The only thing positive is Walgreens feels really bad for fucking over TRICARE for so long. Uh, enrollees, we couldn't take our medications there. Our pills are cheaper there. So I don't pay 10 bucks for my Percocet, I pay 8 uh, That's the only time I actually go there. How you can send U.S. troop care packages. They really want this holiday season. Department of Defense announced Tuesday that active duty down at the border will stay, but they're in the country. There are not the only troops who will be away. Some 14,000 service members are currently deployed in Afghanistan, Syria to fight ISIS, as well as all over the globe. While nothing can compare to spending time with loved ones over the holidays, there are a few ways to make holiday bearable for them by sending them care packages. A box packed with items from home that are difficult to acquire overseas. What to send? Think of anything you use and love that gets you through the day. Odds are troops need those things too and commodities can be difficult to acquire. Non-perishable food and snacks are always a welcome surprise. Items like peanut butter, jerky, trail mix, nuts, dried fruit are perfect for mailing boxes. Consider powder drink mixes that can be mixed with water, condiments that can be added to MREs, and individual packed protein snacks. Try to avoid items that will likely melt or stick together over the journey, like chocolate gum and gummy candy. Bullshit. Send them gunny bears. I had a fucking troop once. I don't know where the fuck I was. He used to stick them on the top of the fucking Humvee over the transmission, and he would just bite it. It'd be one big bear. It was disgusting. But goes through here. Everything you think of: baby wipes, toiletries, razors, dip. Man, send dip, and you'll just make a dude's a day. Mail cannot be addressed to any soldier or various variations thereof. Packages must be addressed to a specific person or job title, such as commanding officer, sergeant, John P. Doe, APO. FPO, AE, etc. There are links online and places you can go, including the USO. They'll help you do this if you want to. I know they will appreciate it. Um, you know, I no longer donate stuff. I used to do the turkeys and everything, but I don't know anybody on post anymore, and they don't contact you, so I don't really do it. Um, but there's plenty of organizations that you can go out and go to their websites, including Wounded Warrior, I believe, has a link that you can go to and find some of the addresses to send people to a unit, and you can send it to the first sergeant, Charlie Company, blah, 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 and uh, get them their stuff. So, but as we go into college crazy, this is the epic 2018, and in the background you can hear wolves howling because they're pissed because I put them in their cage so they won't fuck this up. Um, so enjoy the wolves. Those Huskies think they're wolves. This is Melissa Milano. And once again, you know, you can dog conservative women. You can be horrible to conservative women. It's totally acceptable. And this Betsy DeVos thing, man, the left just fucking hates this girl. So she decided to be cute and do a crazy ass Dr. Seuss dogging a Betsy DeVos. This was trending on Twitter. She thinks she's so cool. I don't. So without background music, here's Alyssa Milano. 
This holiday season, Betsy DeVos sent a lovely gift to the students of America. New Title IX guidelines. Here's a little story about it. Entitled, One Shitty Gift by Betsy DeVos. Late one evening at the Department of Ed, thoughts were bouncing around Betsy DeVos's head. She needed a gift, she started to think. A present for the people that would really stink. She already cut loan aid and ignored teachers' pleas, criticized public school, and embarrassed herself on TV. Title IX protects women, that much she knew, and something so good simply won't do. All night she stayed up, her mind ablaze, the shitty ideas pouring onto the page. No more investigations for off-campus rape. Bars and house parties would totally be safe. The meaning of harassment she would remove, squeeze and twist until it was hard to prove. Live hearings where attackers defend their own violence sounded like a good way to keep victims silent. Sweep assaults under the rug, walk back student rights, protect predators when they put up a fight. After all was said and done, rape stats would go down, not because things got better, but because fewer would count. Betsy wrapped her ideas and set off in her sleigh. One shitty gift for every he, she, and they. But the good news is, unlike many gifts that are shit, this one comes with a way to return it. So go ahead, put one more thing on your list of holiday tasks. Take Betsy's shitty gift and shove it up her Notice and comment section. Submit a comment and she's legally required to review and respond before changing the policy. Tell Betsy no way. Go submit your comment today at itsonus.org slash title nine. I'll let Federalist Musket take care of this. I'm Alyssa. I'm Bets. I like that Bets I am. The Bets I am. I do not like that Bets I am. Do you love choice in schools, dear ma'am? I do not like them for the poor. I do not like them at my door. Black kids stay in poor schools, you see, to keep them far from you and me. Would you like them here or there? I would like them way off there. I do not like them in my school. Do you take us all for fools? They'll ruin rich schools like scores of ghouls. I do not want poor kids here nor there. I want them all to stay right there. Yeah. If it once again was flipped, that's how it would play. Chicago is pretty much synonymous with crime and corruption. So what happened when you try to fix it from the inside? One 19-year-old conservative find out the hard way. Chicago Tribune. A DePaul student collected 1,703 signatures to run for alderman in a Chicago ward. But more than 2,700 people supposedly signed affidavits revoking their support. Something doesn't add up, and this story breaks down that the left got anybody that would walk around to sign against them so a conservative couldn't run. Yeah. How could 27 be more than 17? Hmm. It's liberal. Everybody knows these days it's increasingly difficult for comedians to actually practice the art of comedy in certain venues. And with Kevin Hart, we just learned some more about it. This was an agreement. This guy name is Constantine Kissin. I just received an invitation to perform comedy at, at a university. The title of this contract nearly made me puke. Do these guys know how to party or what? Oh, the bonus points. Plot twist. It's an unpaid charity gig. Behavioral agreement 
form. This comedy night, organized by Blotted Out, because they don't he doesn't want to get fucking sued, aims to provide a safe space for everyone to come together to share and listen to comedy with all proceeds donated to UNICEF. This is a chance for all to be entertained and overjoyed by the different performances here on this day, 23 January 2019. Hence the importance of this contract. This contract is written to ensure an environment where joy, love, and acceptance is reciprocated by all. By signing this contract, you will agree to our no-tolerance policy with regards to racism, sexism, classism, ageism, ableism, homophobia, biphobia, transphobia, xenophobia, Islamophobia, or anti-religion or anti atheism. All topics must be presented in a way that is respectful and kind. It does not mean that these topics cannot be discussed, but it must be done in a respectful and non-abusive way. Just listen to that list. Racism, sexism, classism, ageism, ableism, homophobia, biphobia, transphobia, xenophobia, Islamophobia, and anti-religion or anti-atheism. You fucking people. Jesus Christ. Everything's offensive. Clemson restaurant sign gets grilled over offensive chicken sandwich sign. Loose change related its Tijuana chicken sandwich to a migrant caravan assigned as facility. Student groups at Clemson University were not pleased, calling the sign offensive and distasteful. I would have bought 10 of those sandwiches just to piss them off. Christian College bashes pro-life speech by guy conceived by rape. The college Republican chapter at Wheaton College in Illinois, I had a store there that I covered down on, beautiful college, invited pro-life speaker Ryan Boomberg to come give a talk on race and abortion. Boomberg critiqued Black Lives Matter approach to abortion, slamming the group for supporting Planned Parenthood. Wheaton student government and executive vice president denounced comments made by Bloomberg's top. And once again, this guy was conceived by rape, but you know. You're supposed to abort rape kids and down kids and kids with the wrong color eyes that you don't want. Harvard frat student says same-sex club policy undermines individualism. Amid lawsuits against Harvard University for its same-sex organization policy, one student who is also a fraternity member is speaking out. Connor Healy told Campus Reform that Greek life has been the backbone of his college experience and one of the reasons why he chose the Ivy League. Group of attorneys and sororities filed lawsuit back in Massachusetts court, federal court, supported by campus reform. The lawsuit alleged that Harvard is discriminating against students based on sex and discouraging students from joining same-sex clubs. Trying to get rid of that. Hmm. What the fuck, man? Why don't have fun? They got their whole life to be PC police. Kenneth Preston tweets this. Does Nicholas Cruz deserve to die? Today's ninth graders at school just 10 minutes from Stoneman Douglas shooting were given this assignment. Crazy idea. Don't give assignments on shooters that kill their friends. Does Nicholas Cruz deserve to die? This is actual handout sent out with kids. What does Eighth Amendment prohibit? Why does the Supreme Court impose a moratorium on executions in 72? Why did states start using lethal injection as the method? How many of the world's countries have established the death penalty? It goes on and on. Basically, they don't want the death penalty for this fucking psycho who killed a bunch of people. Yeah. Then, Ivan Trapovic tweets this, and I just... This just sums up 2018. I could, like, mic drop 
That's me mic dropping because it's like on a arm and shit. It's, it's attached to a table. There's no way I can drop it. Have a look at these filthy degenerates. How could any normal parent allow their children to hold a vile sign like this? It's child abuse. It seems when it comes to progressive liberalism, anything goes. I believe the goal of progressive liberalism is to normalize the abnormal. They are evil. These are all from a women's march. Circa, don't know. Feel your fucking feelings. She's a nine-year-old girl. A woman's body shape with Trump and his hair is the bush. That's a little girl. A mother with her teenage daughter. If I had a dick, I'd pull it out and piss on him. A mother with her grandchild. Fuck you, you fucking fuck. A mother with her daughter holding this. Trump's mouth is a shithole. And lastly, a mother with her baby. The baby's head's poking out of this costume that's a uterine wall. She's dressed like a pussy, and the baby is roughly where the clitoris would be. Hmm. That's so nice. Some more of the, hey, you're full of shit. She claims she, he sexually assaulted her. The school just settled with him. Let's break it down. Just weeks ago, after a judge refused to allow a New Jersey college to attempt to dismiss a lawsuit against it, the school settled with the student and brought the lawsuit. John Doe, as he's referring to court documents, brought the lawsuit after he was expelled from Ryder University for allegedly sexually assaulting a female student. John met Jane Doe, as she is referred to in the court documents, in the early morning hours of October 8, 2015. John and his friend, referred as Jane, John Doe, or Joe Doe, returned from an off-campus party with three other friends. John was the designated driver and not intoxicated. Joe began talking to two women. Jane and her friend, referred to as Jane Roe Two, and John joined them. John claimed the two women had been drinking, but neither were incapacitated. Both were able to carry on a conversation, were coherent, were not slurring the words or in need of assistance to stand, and were otherwise in full command of their faculties. John lawsuit stains up to take talking to the women for several minutes. The two men asked them to return to their dorm room, like you do in a heterosexual world. And I'm sure in the gay world, too, trying to give a little something-something. The women readily agreed, John claimed. Joe and Jane, too, went to one bed, while Jane and John and whatever who gives a fuck, the other two people went to bed, too. The room was dark, and Joe and Jane, too, began consensual kissing, light touching for approximately 10 minutes until Joe Doe passed out from his alcohol intake, and Jane Rowe, too, left the dormitory room. Jane remained behind with John, and after her friend left, she removed her own blouse and bra to her kissing and touching, essentially, according to John's lawsuit. John said he remained fully clothed throughout the entire counter. After she removed her shirt, John touched Jane's breast and gave her a hickey on her neck. He says Jane rubbed his gentles over his pants, and that for most of the counter, Jane Rowe was on top of him. John says the encounter lasted 20 minutes before someone began banging on the door and several people shouted for Jane. Jane put her clothes back on and stopped dry-humping his ass. Two hours later, school public safety officials contacted John to say they were investigating a sexual assault, though he was not told the specifics or shown anything. In part, that one of the girls were completely intoxicated and wasn't sure really what was going on. Joe provided a written statement consistent with John's. Before two men were interviewed, Jane spoke to public safety officers. Jane initially told the officers she did not believe the acts performed between her and John involved with her or plaintiff gentles. After John was interviewed, she was asked whether she meant when she said that things got sexual. There was kissing and touching involved. Jan began to unzip my pants, and I stopped him several times. This occurred. It was only until the uh, blah, 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 blah. The whole thing is at the very end, it's all a fucking lie. Court found it was a lie. She, re- she removed her fucking accusations. 
And Ryder's getting sued for booting him. Two things. Saw this a lot when I was a drill. When 1-800-DRILL-SERGEANT came out, we had kids go home and have consensual sex with people and mom found out they are having sex and they fucking hoodwinked five guys who pulled a train on a girl and she willingly let them pull a train because it was date rape. This was the 90s. Secondly, takes me back to my childhood. I was dating a girl. Very weird. She got raped later on. It was really sad. I really liked her before I met my wife. And we went to her house one day and was kissing. I was a young guy. And I'm only telling this because I think it was really funny. And, you know, we were kissing. I was grabbing a little booby. But, you know, I wasn't ready for sex. I didn't carry rubbers. Even when I met my wife, I didn't have rubbers. You know, that's why I always say we stopped. And I said, hey, you know, are you protected? Because I, I didn't, like, walk around thinking I was going to get laid. I really walked around thinking I was never going to get laid. And long story short, this girl just started dry humping the shit out of me until she, I think, orgasmed because I was like 16, so I don't fucking know, but she seemed to really be enjoying herself, and I was freaked the fuck out because I'd never been dry humped. I never even thought about dry humping. But yeah, she dry humped the shit out of me and stopped. Fast forward the tape, I haven't met my wife, I go on vacation, I meet her, we're supposed to go out for lunch, and I was getting a little more, you know, feeling my oats, hadn't been laid lately. And I went to kiss her and she freaked out and started crying. And come to find out, she had been date raped out of college. And then the guy who was taking her home tried to make a move on her because he was drunk. And basically, she's probably a lesbian now is what I'm saying. I, I don't think she wants guys in her life. It was horrible. I felt so bad for her. She was a really nice gal. Um... Anyway, don't know where that came from. Let's move on. You know that person you're interacting with on Twitter is woke when they include their preferred pronouns in their Twitter bio. And it's not just trans people. It's allies, too, who take on the pronouns they prefer. The ACLU is one of those allies. And on Wednesday, it celebrated something we have no idea existed. The first ever International Pronoun Day. And they even have a Twitter. International Pronoun Day. Today is International Pronoun Day. International Pronoun Day acknowledges that referring to people by the pronouns they determine for themselves is basic human dignity. We'd love to hear what you're doing to celebrate International Pronoun Day. I'm calling everybody you. Hey, you. Like I used to do with the drill. When I was a drill, I just called everybody you. ACLU, today is the first ever international pronoun, and our staff are celebrating using language that empowers everyone. It empowers us. I feel power when I call somebody Z. I don't even know what it means. <clears throat> everyone empowers everyone. This is a critical step towards trans and non-binary people being able to live authentically and participate fully in in all aspects of our society. Let's stop this gravy train of stupidity. When do I need other people to validate my life? See, the difference between African American rights and this gay trans shit, black people are like, Fuck you, motherfucker. I don't need you to tell me shit. I'm I'm a fucking... I'm fucking you had me as a slave. Give me money. Okay, their, their cause is pretty fucked up, too. But regardless, didn't they always say it had something to do with you don't need other people's validation? I don't need white folk telling me I, I'm an American or I'm this, I'm that. I determine that. Doesn't that sound more empowering than... I need you to call me nur or yee or That's coming. Whatever that sound I just made is coming someday. I need that for my mental stability. 
And if you don't call me, my whole life falls apart. I, I am so fragile that without that, I can't be a human being. Hmm. I don't understand that. ACLU staffers recognize the day by posing with printouts of their preferred pronouns. We try our best to live our values. Asking individuals what pronouns they use for themselves ensures we have language we need to be affirming to everyone's present. Present. Okay. Are not making assumptions about someone's gender and respect the diversity of gender identities. No matter your pronouns, you have the right to show up in your life as your whole self every day. We got your back. Sharing pronouns not a burden that should be isolated to trans and non-binary people. We should all work to stop making assumptions about someone's gender and creative space. Create space that are affirming to everyone. That's why we name our fucking cats non-binary. Yeah, we remember that story? Anybody's been the show a long time. That fucking flipped me out. We will never stop fighting to ensure that trans and non-binary people are seen and respected everywhere. In courts, Congress, in the streets, in the language we use every day. Does everyone have to carry around a sign so we don't unintentionally misgender them? Was a question somebody had. And we have to confess, calling a person they is going to take some effort. Fortunately, superwokedictionary.com came with it. Uh-huh, it's pronoun days. Here's what the grammar gods have to say about that. Has someone ever asked you to refer to them as they instead of him or her? Are you hedging because you can't possibly refer to one single person as they? What if they told you that they has been used to refer to just one person since at least 1300s? How can they be a pronoun for one person? It explains. They is actually an extremely useful word. For many people in the affirming moment when someone uses your correct name and pronoun can be transforming moment of support and affirmation. I need other people to get into my fucking shtick for me to feel good about that shtick because I really know that I made this shtick up. Yeah, you did. Read about how today became the first international happy international pronoun day. She, her, hers, him, her, his, they, them, theirs. Calling people by the correct pronoun matters. Some simple steps to honor people's pronouns in the workplace Ask about the pronouns before assuming. Take care to use the person's correct pronoun. Remove gender signs from the single-use restrooms so we can have perverts looking at our wives taking a dump. And provide gender-inclusive options on hiring forms. Just put an X for your name and everything. Just X. At schools, honor the names of pronouns that a student uses. Created a gender-inclusive dress code. Everybody just wear fucking potato sacks. We'll all be sacked the fuck up. Foundation Welcoming Schools has tips for education, educa- educators, administrators on how to make classrooms more inclusive and our identities representative. And since no one brought it up above, don't forget about XE, XEM, XYR. You fucking people are weirdos. Progressives call themselves that because they believe they're going to be continuing moving the culture forward. And here are a couple of progressive rules posted recently that might just push you over the edge. First up is the Equality Institute, which says in its bio it exists to produce creative projects to prevent violence against women. And they're certainly being creative. People of all genders can fall pregnant because people of all genders can have the reproductive organs to do so. Consider all people, including trans and non-binary folk, and ensure that your language is inclusive of everyone. 
I'll read just one tweet. Wrong! Only women, one of only two genders, can become pregnant. My reference is science. Sizing doesn't care about your feelings. After being in labor and delivery nurse for 25 years, I'm pretty sure my wife would disagree with your opinion. Pretty sure she never had anyone but a woman have a baby in a hospital she worked at. Just saying, this is the most backward and uncivilized way of thinking. All genders, there are only two, and there always will be only two. This is not a whatever phobic idea. It's just a, I love that, whatever phobic. (laughs) I am whatever phobic, I guess. It's just a fact of fucking life. Equality doesn't mean ignoring and denying facts of life. That's not how it works. It sounds like it may be time for your mom and dad to have the talk with you. Boom! I fucking love it. Once again, we must say all genders are pregnant. And their picture for the tweet is a bunch of dudes and pussy hats. You know, you can act like a pussy all day long. You won't have a working pussy. As stated on previous podcasts, I can take my chachi and make it a canoe. It's never going to float, motherfuckers. You're not going to be able to pop a pup out of my penis vagina. What the fuck? What the fuck, fuck? If a chick thinks she's a dude and she dresses like a dude, but she still has a vagina and working fallopian tubes and ovary, basic biology states... She's still a female because she's pregnant. Unless they can figure out a way to do an ass baby, you're not fucking popping out a pup. Out of a dude. Mm. Which brings us to the money shot. Main teen says struggle with gender identity led to brutal stabbing deaths of parents and the fucking dog. But it's not a mental illness. Andrea Bowser, who looks like me. This is a male and transgender person. Not even trying to look like a female. Dressed like a male. Face is male. Hair's in a man bun. But he calls himself Andrea. Has been sentenced to 40 years after admitting to killing... They're going to do this the whole article because they're being PC. He killed his, his parents. Not her. His. I misgendering. Twitter banned me for my own podcast. A teenager who said she he killed her his parents. I'm going to redo all this shit. And the family pet dog because of struggles with his gender identity has been sentenced to 40 years in jail. Andrea Balser, or Andy Balser we'll call him, was 17 at the time when he snapped and fatally stabbed his parents, Alice and Antonio Balser, at their home in Winthrop, Maine, October 31st. 2016. Balser alleged he was struggling to deal with his transition from male to female and that his family offered no support during the time so it was okay to go stab and kill him and then oh by the way let's go kill fucking Lassie. What the fuck fuck? Jesus Christ. And right on the heels of this New York Times trans is not a mental disorder because biological sex is not determined by our genes. All of a sudden, chromosomes, genes, that shit don't mean dick. Because it doesn't fit in our fucking agenda. And to double down on the money shot. 
A trans Miss Universe contestant. Yeah, don't be ignorant. This is no. They're saying he is odds on favorite to win. Beauty pageants could be approaching their biggest cultural watershed moment yet. Not only has Angela Ponce, the trans crowned trans, uh, woman crowned 2018 Miss Spain, become the first transgender to compete for Miss Universe crown, she is poised to win the entire competition. She claims the victory would be a win for human rights and a slam to conservatives and Trump. Bets are on for Ponce, a native of Seville, Spain. Apparently, the woman's pushed to break the competitive diversity ceiling as many people thinking she has a good chance to victory. According to TheBlast.com, as the comp- competition nears, online bookies have taken action, and the Ponce has grown to become clear favorite with current odds of plus 600. Regardless of how anyone feels about Ponce's gender-bending campaign, betting on her is probably a smart move considering the showbiz industry is doubling down on the LGBTQEIO agenda by the hour. Ponce herself has claimed that such a whirlwind victory would be the utmost importance to promote gender diversity and equality. Not only is this about promoting diversity, according to Ponce, but it's also about hitting conservatives, particularly the supposedly anti-LGBTQ agenda of the Trump administration, you know, for proposing the idea that sex is decided at birth. What a not... It's like the earth is flat now in America because actually going with a dick or a vagina classifies you as whatever sex you are at birth. It's all immaterial, man. It's what you feel. It's a construct from Whitey. Ponzi told Time Magazine in 2016 that her being in the competition would be part a sharp rebuke of Trump who used to own the pageant. Yeah, I'm not reading any more of this. She didn't say we're all ignorant because we can't get with the idea that, um, yeah, well, we're stupid. He played handball for Australian men team, now transgender, is dominating women's handball. Standing six foot two and weighing 220 pounds, Hannah Monsi is dominating at the Women's Asian Championship in Japan before his transition to female. Monsi played for the Australian men's team and was just so-so. But now he's the fucking man. He was quoted as saying, the athlete posted a bizarre tweet praising Iran for being inclusive and progressive with regards to transgenderism. Yeah, they just throw you off the roof twice. Okay. And then the Badanga, Pachinga, Badunka. Transgender MMA fighter breaks female opponent's skull. Are we getting too politically correct? Transgender MMA fighter Fallon Fox, who looks like a super dude with long hair, beat her female opponent, Tamika Brandt, so severely that she suffered a broken skull. This took place in 2014 in an interview following the fight. Brad said, I fought a lot of women, and I've never felt the strength that I felt in a fight as I did that night. I can't answer whether it's because she was born a man or not, because I'm not a doctor. I can, Well, it doesn't matter anymore. Doctors are full of shit, too, because it's all a social construct. I can only say I never felt so overpowered over in my life. And I'm a normally strong female in my own right. I still disagree with Fox fighting and any other job or career I say I have a go at it, but when it comes to a combat sport, I think it's just unfair. 20 years ago, if a man hit a woman so hard that he sent her to the hospital, he'd be in prison. Now he can get paid for it. The idea that gender is a personal choice might sound enlightening to some 
And it's actually very anti-scientific and especially anti-woman. That's because the men and women are the same argument invariably lead women to be judged against a male standard. Or to put it another way, to be more of a woman, a woman has to be more like a man. For the tiny percentage of people who experience gender dysphoria, we should have nothing but compassion. We should do everything we can to help them protect their dignity. But we don't need to overturn biology to find sex differences to do so. This is why... Hardcore feminists are calling bullshit on the trans movement. It's unfair. I mean, for Christ's sake, how many people growing up who couldn't succeed in a sport you're in would have claimed gender dysphoria so you could go win a gold medal? I am the fastest motherfucking chick on the planet. That's because I'm dragging two balls behind me. I mean, Jesus Christ, people. Then to weird shit. These college guys are trying to ban porn. Notre Dame has a bunch of guys, which surprised the shit out of me, who have pushed the school to put filters and you can't go to porn. In lieu of that, and I don't know much about Tumblr because I'm not a Tumblr guy. I think I used Tumblr when it first came out and it was just a photo thing. You put your photos on it. It was like a storage but I guess now it's a porn site. Tumblr users are leaving in droves as it bans not safe for work images. Tumblr announced this week it will ban content featuring nudity from its platform starting December 17th. Decision was met with a lot of backlash from users who view the site as a safe space to explore their identity and sexuality. Oh, God damn, there we are again. Not safe for work content. Many Tumblr users have said they plan to abandon the platform for alternative blogging websites that allow explicit content. Tumblr says it's banning adult content from its platform in order to make a better, more positive place, but the policy changes as some users leaving. The new policy goes into effect 17th, the result in the deletion of any content portraying real-life human genitals or female-presenting nipples. Tumblr, a Verizon-owned company, said in its announcement, Reaction to the Tumblr announcement has been swift and critical across the social website. More than 423,000 people have signed a change.org position trying to make it stop. They um, recommend new grounds, maybe old school. It's been around since 1999. The site prides itself as being the wholly independent where it allows everything for everyone. Some of you might be dismayed at the thought of more lewd content on NG while others are super excited. A post-welcoming Tumblr user said... The good news for everyone is that we're seeing a lot of really talented artists joining it up. Not everything they post is porn. Hmm. Hmm. That's surprising from Verizon. I don't think Verizon was so prude. But I did learn this week by that ad, they were the first ones to do the cell phone. But I didn't know that either. Why is that here? I don't know. I just can't get in my head. Here's that story I talked about from Philip Klein. Jews are getting attacked in Brooklyn, and the forward is ready to explain to us why it isn't anti-Semitic. That's why I put it in this section. While the attacks are targeting Jews, and it may not be because black people identify Judaism a form of ultra, almost hyper-whiteness. Jews are being targeted, saying residents of these communities by members of non-white ethnic groups who see Jews as symbols of gentrification in the neighborhoods, writes Ari Feldman. From an article, and while the attacks are targeting Jews, it may be because black people identify Judaism as a form of almost hyper-whiteness, according to Mark Winston Griffith, executive director of Black Movement Center, a not-for-profit group 
that promotes communal organization in the black communities in Crown Heights, including beating up white people and cold-cocking motherfuckers in that knockout game. In that regard, Griffith said the attacks may be an extension of animosity towards white people in general who drive gentrification in Brooklyn. He added that the attacks are not on the radar of people involved in social justice initiatives in Crown Heights. So non-white community members are angry about the gentrification which was brought about by whites and Jews or seen as hyper-white, so that's why they're being targeted. Oh, and Trump. To the extent that people hear about it, they're probably thinking about it in the national context of anti-Semitic acts and the larger landscape of hatred that is being painted by Donald Trump. So basically what they're saying is, it's Donald Trump's fault that black people are beating up Jews. Okay. Peak 2018. Makes... Total fucking sense. On the Me Too, Lena Dunham apologizes for defending girls' writer, accused of sexual assault, and says her claim about insider information proving his innocent wasn't true. F that soul-searching nonsense. She lied. He's the excerpt emphasis R's. And so I made a terrible mistake with someone I knew, someone I had loved as a brother who was accused and did something inexcusable. I publicly spoke up in his defense. There are a few acts I could never or I could ever regret more in this life. I didn't have the insider information I claimed, but rather blind faith in a story that kept slipping and changing or evolving itself to mean nothing at all. I wanted to feel my workplace and my world were safe, untouched by the outside world, a privilege in and of itself, the privilege of ignoring what hasn't hurt you. And I exclaimed the safety of a co-host to someone else, making very special, someone very special. Ooh, okay. Mm-hmm. I covered that because if she was a conservative, it would be mainstream media would be crushing her for not believing all women, regardless if it's true or not. John Stossel's anti-socialism video, age restricted by YouTube, because socialism and shit. Yeah, we like socialism. Facebook shadow bans pro-life content again. Over the past 24 hours, barely any of PragerU's 3 million followers have been able to view its recently shared video, including one pro-life presentation hosted by activist Lelel Rose, as well as videos of other topics by Ben Shapiro and Candace Owens. They are blocking him by age. Hmm. Yeah. The New York Times, an article denying that Republicans are being shadow banned, featured Professor Monica Stevens, who defines the practice as shadow banning is when you are algorithmically being kind of shut down. And that often has to do with particularly the content that you're posting. Maybe it doesn't violate the term of service, but they make it so other people can't see the content. In August, PragerU confronted Facebook and we covered it on the show. So they're still doing it. But Google said... Hey, hey Facebook, hold my fucking beer. Google approves app for Muslims to report people who commit blasphemy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a thing. Mm-hmm. Christians, you can say fuck God all day long and be an atheist. We love yous. But the prophet. Oh, no, 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 no. A new Android app is launched with the focus of allowing Muslims to report individuals who commit blasphemy or insult Islam. No, this is not a joke. The app Smart Pakam or Pakam, whatever the fuck, P-A-K-E-M, which launched in Indonesia last month at the request of the Indonesian government will allow users or government officials to uphold the Sharia law and target the report people 
who hold misguided beliefs and violation of Islamic law, which prohibits, prohibits insults of Islam, insults against the Prophet Muhammad, or the recognition of any other religion besides Islam. Indonesia is the largest Muslim country in the world with an estimated Muslim population of 207 million. It's actually a criminal code over there. You can go to jail, be killed, beaten the fuck up. Hmm. I cover that because it's coming. Oh yeah, there'll be fucking apps to report your conservative neighbors. He put up a Trump sign. It did not empower me. Please, arrest him. Furor over Nazi symbols and sound of music play in New York City's elite fame performing arts high school. The hills are alive with the sound of political correctness, this article starts. Nazi props were temporarily declared verboten in LaGuardia High School production of the Third Reich set classic, The Sound of Music. Prior to the show, there's a night opening. The principal at the elite fame school, Lisa Mars, ordered Nazi flags and symbols removed from the stage set of the beloved tale of the Von Trapp family who fled the Nazis, yada yada. This is a very liberal school. We're all against Nazis, one sophomore performer told the news about the Fuhrer Fuhrer. <laughs> but to take out the symbol is trying to erase history. Hmm. Out of the mouth of babes. Hey, listen, sophomore. Every time a conservative president leaves office, we erase history. It's what the left does. Leftists believe they should be a white privilege tax. Raging gay conservative. Was the guy who did the article, which is weird. Lisa Jones, a self-proclaimed communist, argues that there should be a 2% white privilege tax and a 1% male privilege tax. She believes the revenue generated from those taxes should be invested in racial justice and feminist causes. Lisa A. Jones on Twitter, November 28th, 4.44 p.m. There should be a 2% white privilege tax and a 1% male privilege tax. Invest the revenue in racial justice and feminist causes. It was uh, liked 18 times. I don't know why it became an article, but it makes sense. On her page, Lisa states that she supports abolishing all police and prisons, claims that the African-American community never asked to be in a war against law enforcement, in addition, she believes mis- misgendered people who identify as transgender or non-binary is an act of violence. Money should be abolished and the White House should be renamed the People's House and painted in rainbow colors. Another one of her great tweets, the phrase men are trash is in reference to patriarchy, not all men. If you get offended by it, then you are likely part of the problem. Yeah. We're going to pause and change music because it's time for the War on Christmas. It's the most wonderful time to be stupid. Elementary school bans Santa, candy canes, reindeer, elf on the shelf, red-green items to be inclusive and culturally sensitive. What was missing from why the candy canes? Because candy canes are in the shape of a J. And that's for Jesus. What the f- 
fuck? Manchester Elementary School principal Jennifer Sinclair just landed on Christmas naughty list, which means she probably won't get any presents from the big man this year. The Nebraska educator apparently tripped on a big rock and fell on her face, all the while attempting to rob her students of the joyous Christmas season. It's like a bad Hallmark movie come to life, happy endings and all. It seemed that I have stumbled upon a big rock that I hadn't anticipated, Sinclair wrote to her legion of teachers in her week-ahead newsletter for December 3rd through 7th. I know that you are, are all very kind and conscious people. I know all the things that you like to do, have done, want to do, are coming from such a good place. I come from a place that Christmas and the like are not allowed in schools as over the years of my educator, educator career, this has evolved into the expectation for all educators, she wrote. It is all. I mean, this is just cabin place. Bah humbug. Apparently some teachers like Christmas and want to share it with their students. I have unknowingly awoke a sleeping giant with many of you. I apologize for the stress that Christmas holiday, Grinch, Santa trees, email, and conversations have caused you, Sinclair wrote. I will do my best to communicate the expectations from here on out, which align with my interpretation of our expectations as a public school who seek to be inclusive and culturally sensitive to all our students. I feel uncomfortable that I have to get specific but for everyone's comfort, I will, she wrote. The principal included two very detailed lists of acceptable practices and not acceptable practices during the Christmas season. The directive band Santa, Christmas trees, Elf on the Shelf, and Christmas songs. Other not acceptable items lists include making a Christmas ornament as a gift. This assumes that a family has a Christmas tree, which assumes they celebrate Christmas I challenge the thought of, well, they can just hang it somewhere else. This is really written. Sorry, I had to get something in my throat. I'm screaming too much. Candy cane. That's Christmas related. Historically, the shape of is a J for Jesus. The red is for the blood of Christ. And the white is a symbol of his resurrection. This would also include different colored candy canes. I am 51 years old. I've never, ever heard that. Red-green items, traditional Christmas colors, reindeer. Instead, teachers should focus on snow, different holidays, winter activities, and imaginary creatures. Acceptable practices listed included snowmen, snowwomen, snow people, snowflakes, gingerbread people, holiday around the world, purpose presentation information to teach of other cultures, sledding, hot chocolate, polar bears, penguins, scarves, boots, ear muffins and hats, yetis, Olaf. Please reflect on what you've already copied, prepped, and posted. I'm hopeful we can avoid the discomfort of me directly questioning something you've copied, posted, and had your kids do, Sinclair wrote to the teachers. That makes me uncomfortable, and I know it doesn't feel good. She signed the pretentious edict as the unintentional Gris who stole Christmas from Manchester. I feel like it was very deliberate and intentional about eliminating just Christmas and putting on an attack on the Christmas is and what it stands for, parent Jenny Myers told WOTV, WOWTV. Is the school going to be able to eliminate everything about Christmas? It may not stop there, Myers says. If principal is going to make such a drastic policy as, as that, I would think that it would be good for the parents to be aware of the policy that was being made of completely taking Christmas out of a school. The situation did sit well with a lot of folks, including the attorneys at the liberal 
Liberty Council, religious liberty law firm, Liberty Council's Richard Mass in a letter to Elkhorn Public School Superintendent Barry Habrock, as well as Sinclair School Board members and the district attorney, explained the numerous reasons why the principal's expectation for all educators doesn't jibe with the law or the district policy. Liberty Council urges you to immediately overrule and specifically disavow the sweeping directive banning Christmas holiday items and require Principal Sinclair to undertake a review of a district policy and the law. In the spirit of Christmas, Liberty Council does not desire the removal of Principal Sinclair, only her compliance with the law, respect for the rights of others, and the respect for cherished holiday tradition. As she herself indicates, she comes from a place where misinformation and hostility towards Christmas runs rampant, and that has shaped her professional development. A few days later, District Attorney Justin Knight sent a letter to Mass. Please be advised that after receiving your letter, the administration investigated this matter and determined that Principal Sinclair's memorandum did not comply with board policy. To this end, the administrator has advised Manchester Elementary School staff members of applicable board policy that does allow certain Christmas symbols and will work with the staff to correct any erroneous erroneous communication and clarify any misunderstandings. Matt Staver, a founder and chairman of Liberty Council, believes Sinclair's owes her school an apology. We are pleased that Elkhorn Public School promptly reversed Principal Sinclair's unconstitutional directive and required compliance with the Constitution. The First Amendment does not require elimination of Christmas. The First Amendment prohibits censorship based on religious viewpoint. This outrageous three-page memo by Principal Sinclair was not based on ignorance of the law, but hatred towards Christianity and Christmas. Principal Sinclair should apologize, and apologies to our teachers and staff. CNN, an internal memo signed by Principal blah, 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 blah. Inclusive and culturally sensitive. Using images of Santa or Christmas items, trees, elves, singing carols, playing Christmas music, sending a scholastic book that also a Christmas book, making ornaments or gifts, Christmas videos, movies, and our characters from Christmas movies. And most curiously, not acceptable items like candy cane. According to Sinclair, the shape of candy cane is a color for Christianity and Catholicism. She was put on leave. And I was surprised CNN even covered it. It was online. It wasn't on their TV. But it's not the only one. Church nativity scene features baby Jesus in a cage. Wise men behind a border wall. A Massachusetts church is using the nativity scene to send a message about immigration. The arrangement depicts baby Jesus in a cage and the wise men closed off by a wall. Prisoners of St. Eusina and Dedham say this crutch is meant to be thought-provoking. We try to take a picture of the world as it is and put it together with the Christmas message. The message this year questioned peace on earth. He said, Jesus represents migrant children being held at the south border wall, separated from the parents. The wise men represent the caravan of migrants behind the border. Uh, they've done it before. One time they did, what was the other one? Uh, known for thought-provoking activities. Since last year, the church included a list of mass shooting locations and numbers of victims as part of his display. Merry Christmas. Happy birthday, Jesus. We're going political. Then you got South Carolina man goes on Christmas decorating burning spree. No apparent reason. And then don't mess with Santa. Man protesting Santa at Claiborne Church arrested on trans- trespassing. This dickweed was freaking out because parents are lying to their kids about Santa. The protesters were upset that the folks were being lie- were lying to children about Santa. Yeah. Which brings me to the top 10 war on Christmas fails. 
We hear the stories every year of the ACLU suing small towns over nativity displays, holiday tree lighting, college banning religious icons, storefronts wishing us all empty happy holidays, Lena Dunham being Lena Dunham. Yet the moment our ears catch wind of the left's all-too-apparent war on Christmas, the mainstream media and their useful idiots in late-night comedy are always roasting us on an open fire before any of us can partridge in a pear tree. Instead of turtle doves and golden rings, we get gaslighting and courtroom sapritas. Clutch not your candy canes, though. If the Puritans could do it, if the French revolutionaries could do it, if the Nazis could do it, if the Soviets could do it, CBS could do it, then the party of the Scrooges will certainly never rid the world of the joy that is Christmas. So long as we have Christ, Christmas will always follow. In the meantime, however, let's all pull up a chair, sip on some hot cocoa, roast up some chestnuts, and ring in the season with a few laughs over the lefty's sorry's attempt to cancel questions. Christmas. Here are the top 10. The Santa Glacier. Back in 2015, two malls in Long Island angered customers after replacing the traditional Santa Claus display with an ugly glacier set that looked like a cross between cheesy 60s science fi and Disneyland Matterhorn bobsled coaster. A Christmas brought to you by Gene Roddenberry. Beam me up, Santa. According to customers, Roosevelt Field Mall and Charlotte South Park Mall chose a glacier display in an effort not to offend anyone. Number nine, Fiona Apple, Trump's nuts roasting on an open fire. How did I miss this? Following Trump's victory over Hillary, leftists fantasize about the new president spending his Christmas with his nuts on fire. Nineties pop icon Fiona Apple turned the fantasy into a song with her own pussy hat rendition of the Nat King Cole classic. The lyrics rang out like social justice warrior nightmare of a Trump Christmas. Trump's nuts roasting on an open fire. Isn't that nice? Eight, Salon, white privilege take on Christmas. It's one thing to read It's a Wonderful Life. It's some kind of anti-capitalist swan song to communism. We did that last year. A couple articles on it. But a Christmas story of some kind of racist vehicle for white nostalgia is a bunch of figgy pudding. While the only legal, legit criticism to level against the holiday classic is the quasi-racist Chinese restaurant scene, Salon opted instead to complain about black characters being shown in a perfectly inoffensive and neutral fashion. This is a perfect depiction of non-white others tailored to the conservative and superficial colorblind politics of post-civil rights era. Seven. The petition to ban that racist song, White Christmas. In 2015, American college students signed a petition to ban the racist song, White Christmas, from radio stations for being an offensive anthem against all colored people by insisting that white be associated with good and beauty. Six, the blacklisting of the baby, it's cold outside. Oh, Jesus, it's still going on. I have a funny version I'll play on the end. Five, Boston holiday tree lighting. That pissed people off because they couldn't call it a cross Christmas tree. Gay interracial Santa. We talked about that last year. The book where it's a black and white Santa. They're gay. That's what really Santa is. Not Mrs. Claus. Fuck that bitch. We got rid of her. Frosty Returns. They're dogging that. Two, the failed sensory of Charlie Brown Christmas. And number one, Washington Post asserting the Virgin Mary offends rape victims. And never heard this one. Filander can't make this crap up. WAPO Virgin Mary offends rape victims by her purity. It was not an Onion article, but a full-blown assault on the Virgin Mary by Presbyterian pastor Reverend Ruth Everhart, who argued in a WAPO op-ed that the mother of Christ's purity offends rape victims. Everhart 
took offense over the good girl image projected by Mary, saying it puts an unfair burden on women, especially rape victims. Church culture tends to be fixated on sexual purity year-round, but during Advent, I'm tempted to blame it on the Virgin Mary. After all, she set an impossibly high bar. Now the rest of us are struck trying to be both a virgin and a mother at the same time. It does not seem to matter that this is biologically impossible. Jesus Christ. Primity, what is wrong with you people? I'm not reading it all. Dean Martin's daughter. Dean Martin slammed the controversy over her father's classic Christmas song, Baby It's Cold Outside. Yeah. I was absolutely flabbergasted. It's just insane. Deanna Martin told Fox her father's song, Baby It's Cold Outside, has been attacked by feminists in recent years who claim that the song promotes rape culture. When I heard it, I said, this can't possibly be. You know, it's a sweet, flirty, fun song that's been around for the 40 years from my dad. He did it at 59. But when I think it, I tweeted, I think this is crazy. What do you think? And then all of a sudden it went viral. They, they claim singer said, indeed, Martin recently tweeted that an uproar of the song and its lyrics were crazy. Uh, many feminists have said the song promotes rape culture, blah, 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 blah. 2012 essay published by Salon. We already read that. Da, 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 da. Deanna Martin also defended the lyrics about the drink on Fox News Monday, saying when she says, Hey, what's in this drink? I don't think she's talking about some pill being put in that drink. It's like it's punch, you know? What's in the drink? Is it vodka? It was nice. It's just breaking my heart that people would turn that around. And of course they would. They would totally turn around because they're fucking shitheads. So two sound bites to close out our news and social media nuggets. Yeah, they're funny. First one, rather long from Vice News. Yeah, this is a real fucking thing. And I can't remember if I covered it on the show. I might have covered this. Vice News. This is what it's like to take a, vac- a vacation away from white people. Women at a retreat chant, my whiteness is bold, my whiteness is uninhibited, my whiteness is strength. Retreat founder, white people need to start creating own spaces in the U.S. And then our second one is by TikTok Bloomberg. Not every parent wants to assign a gender to their child after birth. These partners, who are gay, let their two-year-old Zoe choose for themselves. That's a thing. What the fuck is wrong with everybody? This is like heaven right now. Alexis Bromley is from Nebraska. She needed a break from white people. In Omaha, it's very segregated. It's um, It can be very isolating if you're a person of color. It's hard in Nebraska because it's a red state. And so you just don't know who you interact with on a daily basis, if they believe that you're lesser, if you're inferior, and how that, in turn, can affect me. She says the current political climate has only made these feelings worse. So she decided to go on a women of color healing retreat in Costa Rica. Hi, such beautiful smiles. (laughs) Thank you guys so much for coming. My blackness is bold. My blackness is uninhibited. My blackness is strength. The idea is simple. For 10 days, black women come together to eat vegan food, meditate, do yoga. The breath in is the reminder that we are safe. And to discuss the frustrations of being black in America. 
it's like a mental game all the time. And I'm in these spaces where, you know, constantly getting poked and prodded. Oh, let me touch your hair. Oh, you're really pretty for a black girl. Black people don't exercise. Black people don't hike. People are automatically going to have this perception of me before I even open my mouth. So many people's ideologies are being validated that don't see us as human, that don't see us as people. This retreat is one of more than a dozen Black-owned travel groups, marketing trips specifically to people who look like Alexis. In the few years that most of these companies have been open, more and more clients are calling them up. At least five say they've seen a spike in interest coinciding with Trump's election. The idea of black women reclaiming control over their own mind, body, and spirit is exactly what's needed to survive in a system that constantly tells us that our wellness isn't important. We stop taking care of ourselves because we were taught you don't matter. The retreat is the brainchild of Andrea X, a former Brooklynite turned expat. I left the United States because I was sick of gentrification, racism, um, just dealing with being this black woman, trying to figure it out there. It was 2014, and she just lost her job as a healthcare facilitator. What started off as a vacation in Costa Rica became her entire new life. She used all of her personal savings to form this retreat. We needed a safe space that was outside in the United States to hold certain conversations and just to heal. I don't think that we can do that in the United States. I think that we're suffering and suffocating and just dying every single day trying to survive there. You know, not every woman can afford to come out to Costa Rica. What can we do for the racism they experience, for women who can't afford to be part of your retreat? I think that it's important for people in the United States, black and POC people, to start forming their own spaces there. Easier said than done. White Americans find themselves in white-only meetings and places all the time, without even trying or noticing. When black people want a break from feeling like a minority, they often have to make an effort. Alexis made the effort, and it cost her $2,222. But for her and several other women, that's a reasonable price to pay for a retreat that bans white people. Would having yeah. white people on this trip ruin it? I'd probably yeah, I don't think we will be as open and as honest as we are with the group that we're in now. Yeah. Do you all feel like you've been stereotyped? One thing I always got is you're so well-spoken. And I don't think people understand how much it's, how insulting that is. What, what else would you expect from me? I'm curious if it's been no different for you since it was, it <laughs> the was, election of President Trump? We're black. We knew that racism has been around, but it's a bit more in our face now. It's made me have to pivot my interactions with people. And like, you know, people who actually support Trump. Like, I can't trust you on friendship level, family level, any level, if you actually are supporting someone that, you know, is completely racist. Is some of that anxiety what you feel you need to heal from here? We're looking for ways to uh, coping mechanisms, mm -hmm. you know, and ways to take care of ourselves. Mm -hmm. Because we're not on the agenda. Do you feel like you've increasingly lost the ability to see any shot at a relationship with white people every time I have a conversation with them I just pick up on certain things that they say whatever I pick up on the microaggressions the passive aggressiveness I pick up on it so I decided one day to just eliminate white people from my personal life and ever since then my life has been way more breezy do you think it's at all possible that the fact that white racism white people have sort of made you leave the US start your whole life over somewhere else 
feel the need to avoid them means that they've, they've won. They didn't push me out the United States because if that's the case, they could push me out of any of these countries because they are here. They're everywhere. You know, I feel like white people shouldn't even have passports because they've done enough, especially white Americans, leave them in the United States. They do not need to come here. They do not. They should be even able to travel. They need to stay in the United States. But to a white person who's doing their best to be the best white person they can be. I have no tips for a white person. My tip to white people is to let us have our space, let us have our room, and go hang out with other white people. We're okay. You know, you've done enough damage. Samasta Sukino Bavantu. This retreat, much to Andrea's dismay, is held at a white owned resort. That doesn't bother the retreat participants. They haven't cut white people out full time. But 20 minutes down the road, Andrea and a business partner have quietly invested nearly $100,000 to build up their own private retreat space. This is where we'll have the workshops. Is this just like a long con to start building your own black nation out in the middle of Costa Rica? It is. It is. <laughs> Starting with yoga. Yeah. Next is going to be like a mini government. I don't want to have a mini government, but at the same time, it will be a community of just like black people living here. What would you say to someone who's like, you know, it's nice as this sounds like paradise for black people. In some ways, like it's motivated by the same hate that white people who want to create white nations and white spaces have? Um, I would say it, it doesn't have anything to do with them. This is about us healing our community. Is it practical to create a black nation in the middle of a jungle or to chase all white people off your property? Probably not, and most black people don't want to do that. But the feelings of isolation that drove Andrea to build her own community aren't that different from what drove Alexis to this retreat in the first place. Andrea has completely given up on the U.S. I don't blame her. I have been places outside of the U.S. where I have felt more at home and more included than I have ever in my community. Is that an upsetting thing? You know, you say it with like this serene face, but to like go visit somewhere that you're not a citizen of and feel more at home than you do in your own country. Yeah, that's reality. Um, Unfortunately, that's the reality of our country random people on the street that are incredibly invested in what gender our child is. You know, that's always the question as a boy or girl. And so often we will say to people, we don't know yet. You know, we're waiting for Zoe to tell us. I have been with my partner, my husband, for 15 years. Both my husband and I identify as transgender men. And we have a now 22-month-old named Zoe. Uh, We use they pronouns for Zoe. We felt like there's so many gender stereotypes that get put on kids like from the second they're born. The first question is, is it a boy or a girl? And then so many decisions are made from that, right? Are you going to buy pink clothes or blue clothes? Do they play with trucks or with dolls? Um, And we felt like we really want, as best we can, to have our child not have those stereotypes put on them and our child to have the openness to identify as whatever gender they want to whenever they feel that's right for them. Boys that are told they can't cry, girls that are told they can't be tough, all of that is damaging. So we feel like raising our child in this way can actually help push against that and help create someone that can be strong in who they are. We are preparing for whatever Zoe might say and however Zoe might identify, knowing that that might change. So there might be a time where Zoe says, I don't, I don't feel like a they, I feel like a she or I feel like a he and we'll see. 
whatever whatever you feel like is fine with us knowing that that might change at some point society has a lot more work to do on this but i feel like we've we have come a long way i mean just google something or pick up a book or look you know look online you can find so much information about this community so that people know that they're not alone holy crap that's a lot of fucking stupid lot of fucking stupid to our sound bites uh this is a guy winning an award for a game and he's saying he wants to kill everybody who's a republican sonic fox that's that's a real fucking thing and behind it is a updated version of Baby It's Cold Outside. Um, got this on, where the hell did I get this? It was on Facebook. It's Cambry Kawani Koa on Twitter. I'm sorry. It was on Twitter. So let's listen to this. And now, here's actor and comedian Joe McHale. Hi, Jeff. Wow, I can't believe you had me back. Uh, <laughs> when I was uh, asked to present the award for best esports player, I did not hesitate. Uh, video games have brought me and my sons closer together. Every morning, they fire up Shocker, Fortnite, and uh, their eyes light up with the promise of a new day. Then they demand my credit card information to purchase a Moisty Merman skin and a guiding glow axe. <laughs> it seems like only yesterday they were forcing me to buy a Rainbow Rider and Astro Backbling. Uh, they grow up so fast. Anyway, I'm okay. Uh, esports continue to grow exponentially every year with sold-out arena tournaments all over the world and millions of dollars on the line. This award recognizes the most dominant athlete in esports. Whomever wins this is basically the LeBron James of sitting. It's amazing. Here are the nominees. Best eSports player. Presented by Omen by HP. It doesn't matter what fighting game he's playing. This kid can do it. Can take it all. Sonic Fox the champ. Tito! He is your champion. What a year for the best player in the world. That was too far back. That is stunning from Simple. Oh, Jordan, he's looking dangerous. From downtown. Okay, and the game award goes to Sonic Fox, everybody. Wow, <laughs> I really want this shit. Oh my god! <laughs> hey, look, mom. <laughs> uh, I guess I want to say this is a big honor. Uh, 
I kind of just really, really enjoy playing video games competitively. Um, I've never really, really done it for the fame. I kind of just enjoy the rush of like beating people up, you know? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, even like, uh, I'm sure you guys heard the story of uh, when I won the IPS finale. The other thing I don't do this for is for the money. It's because when uh, my best friend, one of my, my best friend, one of my closest friends, oh my god, I'm nervous. Uh, his dad had cancer, and after I won, well, before I even like uh, did the match, I told him whether I win or lose, I'm going to be donating at least like 10K of the prize winning to his father for his stage 3 cancer. And I hope it works out for him. Um, and he really, really. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just nervous. This is more scary than I want Evo. Um, but, I mean, I guess I, I never really, I had always just done it just to make new friends and bonds in the community. So, um, I guess for now, I want to give a shout out to obviously the team that's helped me do all the, all the way Echo Fox. I want to give a shout out to uh, um, all my friends back at home, my best friend, the Kill Sage. Uh, he's helped me out so much through life. Um, McKenna and Black, the, ga the goons back at home, gang, gang. Um, <laughs> um, uh, as you guys also may know or may not know, um, I'm also super gay, so I mean, uh, I want to give a shout out. <laughs> so, I want to give a super shout out to all my LGBTQ plus friends that have always helped me through life. Um, Obviously, I'm a furry, so shout out to the furries. Have any furries in the Gamera year? Yeah. Um, guess all I gotta really say is that I'm gay, black, a furry, pretty much everything a Republican hates, and the best esports player of the whole year, I guess. <laughs> Thank you so much. Okay, you're free to go. I've got to go away. Understood, no means no. This evening has been super appropriate. So nice. But I do understand consent. My will start to worry. Definitely text her right I'm now. Be the Here's the code, and there is the so door. Really I am gonna stand over now here. Maybe just a half a drink you more. are in control. This the thing. Invite them over if you like. Say what's in this drink? Um, nothing but Sprite. I wish I knew how. Just walk right out the door. The I do know how to spell harassment. I, no, 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 I hear you loud and clear. I'm trying super really hard. Please just go out, baby. Ah, just go outside. Simply must go. Uber is right outside. The answer is no. Seriously, right outside. The welcome has been. I'll walk you to so the curb. Nice but totally consensual. Hopefully, not about At least us. There will be plenty Please do not imply anything. I really can't stay. Baby, just go out. Baby, Baby just go. Baby, just go outside. It's close, but it still wouldn't be good enough for the left. And what does it say? Um, 
when a game show, uh, it's the Game Awards. Dominic Sonic Fox McLean wins Best Esports Player. In case your feelings are hurt in retrospect, McLean tweeted afterwards where he doesn't really hate Republicans. Now, I really don't hate a p- Republicans. That's a strong word. But if I had a Thanos glove, I mean, what would you do? I see a lot of people congratulating you for being basically saying you would kill every Republican, but I'm here on the Republican half. We don't hate you for being a gay black or a furry. Do you and don't spread hate and shit like this, you dick. Yeah. I don't know about it. I just thought it was funny as shit that a, a game player, I mean, play, plays games. He wants to go, man, dude, that's the hatchet murder right there. That's the hatchet murder. And to get it back into order, the baby cold outside. It's funny. But it's, they'd still find fault with it. Other humorous things. ESPN wants to make Sports Center great again, and they're going to bring back Keith Oberman. I just want to read one tweet by Keith Oberman. Him and Nikki Glazer. Opt out of eating animals. It was tougher than stopping smoking. I had I had loved it. And when truth and when truths like this finally struck me, I was mortified. They're scient they're sent, sentient beings. They know happiness. They know fear. Selfishly, veggie burgers and veggie bacon get better annually. And he was retweeting Nikki Glaser. Just a reminder that your favorite breakfast food enjoys gentle baths. And no, that's not the same thing. That pig is not the pig you're talking about. That's a piebald pig or a small pig. Those are different. It's a huge pig that would eat you. It eats everything. And... Yeah, I, I'm just always suspect of people that are so freaked out about meat consumption. It's just like the transgender shit. Th- that's your shit, man. Don't put it on me. Then we got some serious stories. Um, some other stuff I'll drop off because this podcast really got long. Uh, what are the odds the New York Times didn't mean to admit Obamacare sucks and why it sucks so badly? Here are the articles that came out this week because enrollment's down. Remember, the mandate's gone. People don't want to do it. It was too expensive to begin with. But they're still so vested in this because they've told us forever this is the best thing. We're going to keep our doctors and all that bullshit. And it's all backfiring. Why is Obama enrollment down? These are all individual tweet stories. Sign-ups for health plans are 11% lower than last year as the December 15th deadline approaches. Here are some possible reasons. More people have jobs. Wait a minute, but I thought Trump's comedy sucks. The mandate's gone. There are new options outside the ACA. For some people, the plans are less affordable. They were always less affordable. Stephen Miller, when the New York Times stumbles in something on accident, they really stumble into it. Wait, when the government stopped forcing people to sign up for the crappy program, they stopped signing up? Why weren't we informed? Because you never covered it. You just didn't. And then I'm going to slam some CNN because I didn't do a hypocrisy section. I'm going to just jump this all together and throw some sound bites at you. And we're going to call this pig done. CNN verified account. Don't believe these climate change lies. CNN weather team of meteorologists debunk common climate change. I'm not going to play this sound bite, but I'll just tell you, everyone of us is a conservative. The funniest part about it, they're all on CNN saying this stuff. And nobody refuted what they're saying till now, which... That's pretty funny. CNN also this week, one suspected reason for the migrant caravan is climate change. Year-long droughts in parts of Honduras mean crops are failing and farmers are leaving. They are so into this. Jesus, J. Jehoshaphat. And then there's two sound bites 
from Brian Seltzer. One freaking out about ex-Fox employee working at the UN. And then he lumps in the criminal presidency of Trump and Fox and everything. And the other one's about climate change. And when I listened to these, all I could get out of my mouth was fagtard. Fagtard! So there's my insult to two demographics. I don't mean homosexuals. And I don't mean retards. I mean fagtard. This guy is like beyond. He's just a fagtard. Enjoy. Moving to Fox News and Heather Nauert, of course, the longtime Fox host and commentator uh, who joined the State Department as a spokeswoman a year and a half ago. Uh, she is now being nominated to be ambas- U.S. ambassador to the U.N. Uh, what, what do we do? I mean, Max, this is, this is, uh, she is not qualified for this job. She's right. qualified for a lot of other jobs. She's yep. not qualified to be a U.N. ambassador. What's your read on this? Well, this is the Fox-Trump uh, nexus, and it's hard to know where the Fox network ends and, and the Trump administration begins. Let's put our graphic on screen yeah. showing some of the folks that have gone from Fox to the White House and vice versa. Right. Yeah. You know, this merger, it is effectively a merger. Right. No, this may is, be good for Trump, but not America. It's not even good for Trump, I don't think, because uh, Fox helps them to live in this kind of alternative reality bubble where they put up these alternative facts, and he actually believes them. I mean, it's quite it's hard to know how much of this is just cynical and, and, and lying and how much of it is actually just being credulous, but it's quite possible that Trump believed that there would be a red wave before the November election. It's quite possible he believed that the caravan really was this huge threat to America. And based on those assumptions, he led the Republican Party to disaster in November, and I think there will be further disasters for the Republican Party, for Trump, and for America if he continues to believe this nonsense that that Fox News pumps out. Mm. After you and Woodward exposed Watergate, you said Nixon was a criminal president and it was a criminal presidency. Is the Trump presidency a criminal presidency? I don't think we know completely yet. I think it's very obvious that there has been a criminal conspiracy led by the President of the United States to obstruct justice. It's hard to see otherwise in the the filings that have been made public thus far. But on top of that, we also know that, that there is criminal behavior by Donald Trump in the Southern District of New York case. Uh, moving to Fox News and Heather Nauert, of course, the longtime Fox host and commentator uh, who joined the State Department as a spokeswoman a year and a half ago. Uh, she is now being nominated to be ambas- U.S. ambassador to the U.N. Uh, what, what do we do? I mean, Max, this is, this is, uh, she is not qualified for this job. She's right. qualified for a lot of other jobs. She's yep. not qualified to be a U.N. ambassador. What's your read on this? Well, this is the Fox-Trump uh, nexus, and it's hard to know where the Fox network ends and, and the Trump administration begins. Let's put our graphic on screen yeah. showing some of the folks that have gone from Fox to the White House and vice versa. Right. Yeah. You know, this merger, it is effectively a merger. Right. No, this may is- be good for Trump, but not America. Remember, that's reliable sources. He is his, the, the news watchdog. He's supposed to be unbiased. So, excuse the length of this. I know it's super long. A lot of shit came down. A lot of shit came down. So, I just shoved it in there, and I hope you enjoyed it. And this wraps up another episode of Flower Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share this with your family and friends and send emails or comments or suggestions for segments to F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. FOPpodcast gmail.com. Get the show on SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, and Stitcher. Check out the Flyover Politic webpage while it's still up at F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T 
FopPodcast.com. FopPodcast.com. It's a theme. There you see links to the show, Facebook page, email, and an episode or link on every episode. So I totally forgot what we said we were going to do, but my intent is to do a Monday podcast next week. And then do a 28th podcast. So 17th and 28th of December. That'll close out our year. Um, I got events. I'm going to a screening of It's a Wonderful Life in a 1940s theater on Sunday, which is really cool. But, you know, family time. Everybody's busy. Yeah, it's the holidays. So we're going to lighten up for a while. So we'll go with Monday the 17th. And then the 28th. I'm going to put together a year in review. Uh, It will be long. It'll include some segments from back. Um, but you know, you got to close the year out. Thanks for everybody listening. It's been a good month in November, December starting out pretty good. Got a lot of new listeners. Make sure during this holiday season, you disconnect, spend time with your family. Don't give the yeah, yes. Enjoy the beauty of the holiday season. The left might try to ass rape it with all their stupid shit. Just enjoy it, man. You can't get on your cloud because unlike transgenders, I don't need anybody to affirm my holiday season. My holiday will have plenty of baby. It's cold outside. Jesus canes and whatever other crazy stuff that principal said. So tune in next Monday, the 17th. Until then, as always, thanks for listening, folks, and take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Remember to check out our website at foppodcast.com. And remember, it's a short ride. Make every day count.